You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, How's it going? So, uh, yeah, we, we, skipped, we skipped the conference. We're actually out here on our own. <laughs> little cafe in Prague. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're here. We just can't show anybody because it's the Monero community, so nobody wants to be in the background, but there's uh, a beautiful, nice crowd here. The venue is amazing. Uh, it's at Parnelli Polis, is, you know, kind of one of the, uh, one of the, if not the epicenter of crypto anarchy. Um, and it's just really cool, right? It's really cool. It's a really nice place. It's huge. It's yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. You know, di- di- different vibe than Monerotopia, right? Monerotopia, uh, especially with our marketplace. Yeah, right? we have the marketplace like, and everything. Like action. Uh, this, but this has been amazing. The setup, the stage that they use for the speakers is like really beautiful, professional, and it's been great. It's been awesome. Speaker party last night. It was really, really nice. Yeah. And there was an after party, which yeah. we visited for a little bit. It was really nice. But, but very chill vibes. Everybody's been drinking. It's Prague, right? So the beer is amazing. The Pilsner, or well, it's flowing here like water. People drinking water. Uh, people smoking cigarettes, <laughs> right? Is, uh, my, well, I, I don't want to mention our special guest yet. Our first special guest. Our, yes, exactly. <laughs> who actually is, uh, has become a waitress this weekend <laughs> at Monerotopia and has earned quite a few Monero doing it. Uh, a little Monero entrepreneur. Uh, a little dinero. Let, let's bring her on, the waitress. I think she's serving me some mate. Hey, come on. <laughs> she collapses. <laughs> how's it going? Say hi to Tux. Hi. <laughs> Fran, how's uh, how's Monero coming? What have you been doing? What is this? Ta-da-da. Ta-da-da. And it, it tastes <laughs> like mate, right? It's called mate. And I, I, think I also served coffee and water. Did you make, I know you're walking around, do you still have your little QR code? No, I took it off. Were you, did you make any tips? Were people tipping you? I just served them coffee? I made a lot of <laughs> What are you going to do with the Monero? Uh, so gonna, many things. keep it? You know, like, you want me to buy it off of you for something else? Nah. Hey, right choice. <laughs> or I will have the woman who's doing it. She's getting, like, I'm going to use the Monero to maybe get more stuff because we're kind of running out of supplies. Like, oh. the stuff that you put in there, like that. So you're going to use the Monero you earn to go buy more supplies? That's nice. If. <laughs> she says if. Um, have you had any good conversations here? Have you been talking to a lot of people? One was doing a presentation, <laughs> and I asked a question. I stopped. Yes, you did. <laughs> it was a pretty good question, actually. What was it about? It was, uh. So, I was talking about that you have to show your identity and stuff. And I was like, is it good that you have to do that or is it bad? And then he did this explanation that imagine if you had, if you went to an ice cream store and you bought ice cream and all you had to do is give the money and then you could have walked past. And then the other person, 
your friend had to get his face all recognized, all that. Just and then I said, so does this mean that some people have to do more than the other people? And he said he got confused. And then another person, <laughs> a guy in a donut T-shirt, um, he he explained to me that if Your face doesn't exactly match what the picture says or what your description says. Then they have to do all the extra information.、Mm, but overall, do you think people should have to get their picture taken if they want to buy an ice cream? No. <laughs> right? Be, that would be weird if that was the case, right? I don't have to do. <laughs> do you think people should have to get their picture taken or anything if they wanted to buy Monero? Well, you'd be surprised. People want that to happen because the government wants to know who's purchasing Monero and how much of it they're purchasing. Oh, point I'm missing. Exactly. So as you can see, guys, she she's she, she fits right in at the crypto anarchy. <laughs> yeah. All right, baby girl. She's learning a lot here. Actually, with the cord.、Um, we, the wires. Can we、there. can we、uh, hire you as a waitress right now to get us get us two beers at the, at the bar over there? Uh, Pilsner, please. <laughs> Got to keep the drinks flowing. Got to keep the drinks flowing. <laughs> Anything goes here. Apparently, <laughs> Paulus. Yep, yep. Um. Our, yeah, I guess you、yeah, want to、so、move on. Franny's been having an amazing time, and so have we. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to price report, and then we got、and、a the bunch dev segment. Then we have a bunch of、uh, guests. Amazing guests. We'll、yeah. we'll try to pull them in、uh, slowly, slowly as we go.、Them. We're looking at an amazing group of people right now. So we don't want to lose them. They're all so, chilling、so. there, drinking their beers across from us. So I don't know how long they'll hang around.、Uh, so yeah, let's do price report,、let's、and then we'll try、report. to pull, start pulling people in. Okay. The Monerotopia price report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer to peer. Everyone, this is Bobby Anarchist coming at you with the price report pre-recorded on Friday evening. Obviously, the big news is that Bitcoin,、uh, specifically Bitcoin, but crypto in general, takes a pump this week.、Um, so we're going to start with looking at the macro as usual. We'll just run through that really quickly, and then we'll talk about crypto since that's the big news. Okay, so we're looking here at the dollar index. This is the long. Sort of a, a long-term chart where we had the peak last year, and then we got these two、um, sort of important resistance lines, and basically the dollar kind of bumped up against that. This is a little bit of strength.、Um, basically, you know, we spent some time trying to break through that, came down, and then sort of stopped halfway. To me, overall, this chart looks like it has the potential for reversal.、Um, this is a long-term chart, so it could play out over timeframes. Right, it could take well until Q3, Q4. Uh, for now, maybe I would kind of expect just kind of sideways action, something like that. Maybe we could finally get into this area eventually, fake out to the downside and then pump, just like crypto did. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't have to look like this, right? It could look、uh, a lot of different. But、um, overall, I, I would suspect probably st-、uh, stability with the dollar here.、Um, let's go ahead and take a look now at the Federal Reserve balance sheet. If you guys remember, we had the big pump in March. The Federal Reserve had to expand their balance sheet to、uh, sort of paper over the banking crisis. Um, but they were mostly short-term loans, so it's not surprising that we saw this thing drop back down over the last week. This thing fell, and the Federal Reserve, if we are to believe, say, and overall they have basically done what they said they're going to.、Um, this thing will probably continue slowly going down. Federal Reserve says they want to they want to solve the balance sheet, and I think so. Overall, this going down over long timeframes could end up weighing on the markets again. Maybe not too incongruent with how this Dixie chart looks. Right, might eventually sort of decide to break the upside. And that could kind of be congruent here with、um, um, taking a look at the S&P 500 here. 
uh, you'll notice that we basically, we talked last week about this, uh, this sort of rising trend line here and that this might be a reason to expect some resistance and it's kind of what we got. So if you're trading stocks, you know, we're really looking at the potential for kind of a, a top and reversal here. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to just like crack, you know, crash and burn or anything, but, um, there, this thing has a lot of momentum, right? Like that's a really big move. We could see a reversal, you know, maybe even make a slightly higher high and that would, you know, too crazy to see. But I tend to think that most of the gains that the stock market is going to make have already largely been made. Uh, you can kind of see the same thing here with the NASDAQ, right? We talked about this spot, um, as, as being a second point of resistance and, uh, indeed it, it has actually seen the market come back down. So it also, there's the idea here that there could be some rotation from stocks into crypto at this moment. Um, we, we have seen with BlackRock and we've seen some of these institutions are expressing a little bit more willingness perhaps um, to regard crypto or at least Bitcoin with, uh, with a bit more respect. So, um, but at the same time, you will talk about this later. I want to caution you guys really buying hook, line and sinker into this BlackRock narrative about how, uh, you know, how, how the institutions are here in the FOMO and, and it's time and all this stuff. Like, you've got to be really careful about that. Um, it, it feels kind of similar to the end of 2020, especially. Um, so we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, but that's basically the macro for you. Um, if you're, if you're a TradFi guy, um, you know, things tend to move slowly. Things don't kind of just did. Uh, don't expect to be getting mad gains here with the stock market. It's probably not going to happen. Um, it could take some time and consolidation. If things are going to go higher, it's probably going to take some consolidation. Okay. So, um, let's go into, oh, there's, uh, actually, uh, you know what? Why don't we just talk about Monero? the charts there? Uh, that's Monero versus Bitcoin for the dollar. So, um, we talked about last week how, you know, we've kind of got like this, this bear market channel, how we sort of firmly came back into that channel. But we also talked about how the TA on Monero necessarily, you know, wasn't as well as we might like it to. Right, like this action right here, you, you really kind of expect that to break to the upside. And I, and I guess that's kind of what happened without, you know, we faked out to the downside first. Um, the other thing too is that Monero is a small market cap. The small market caps just don't behave as sort of nicely, predictably as maybe the larger market caps do. Um, so, you know, we broke down what was really a very long trend line, uh, and then we just shot right back up to the upside. So at this point, we've basically broken out, uh, fully broken out from the sort of like bear market downslope resistance line. So that's nice to see. Uh, you know, we'll see how long that can continue. I mean, I guess it seems reasonable to suspect that crypto and, and Bitcoin continue moving up, that Monero should experience positive action from that. Okay, so this is the Monero Bitcoin chart, and you'll notice that uh, this this line down here is sort of like the very long um, uh, support line, you know, basically from the lifetime of the chart. So uh, these lines can be, you know, they can be a little bit fuzzy, right? Like, if we draw it this way, we're kind of not quite connecting that spot down there. So maybe we can move it up, you know, but when we do that, uh, with some wicks, but, um, anyways, this was not surprising. We really, I mean, by all means, at the point that we started playing in this range, we really had to expect it to be somewhere down here at the bottom of it. Um, so, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how this goes here. We can take a look at the divergences and see that, uh, basically they've been on the positive side here. It's been offering slightly more than Kraken, um, to acquire Monero. So again, this is probably just them trying to keep the doors open, trying not to look too too much like scumbags. Uh, let's take a look here at Monero versus Ethereum. This right here could you could arguably try and call this a bottoming pattern. Um, I'm not necessarily totally convinced by that, um, you know. But again, we'll, we'll just have to see. At, at the very least, we've at least gotten out of this down this downslope. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, again, I'm you know. For me, Monero is a hodl. I don't trade it that much. 
Um, part of the reason, you know, is because of this crazy action that happens to dip down and break the upside. Um, okay, so let's finish off here just looking at uh, the crypto market in general. Uh, that's total, but let's start with Bitcoin. The comments started going up this past week. So, um, you know, this chart should be pretty easy to understand. We drew this line here last week where we sort of said, hey, that might be a spot for, for support, and it certainly seemed like it was. Um, that was also a spot where the August top was in that spot. So these were all kind of like convergence support. Um, you know, and like we said the last week that that fat lady had not yet some. Um, so to expect that, you know, we, we could potentially get a move to the upside. Uh, in terms of the shorter structure, we had this, uh, we had the, the descending wedge and we basically just with momentum violently broke out of that. So at this moment, we're headed up towards this, uh, this resistance point that was set last. Uh, and then we're kind of making our way out of this, uh, you know, out of the last summer, uh, or sorry, June, the summer of 2021. Right now we've got momentum. Right now this thing could uh, even break this area with momentum. However, there are some important statistical levels, uh, moving averages and standard deviations that are hanging out right around 33 area. I would expect that that 33 area could be difficult to broach. Um, if we wanted to try and make the case that Bitcoin could actually make it to 45 or 50,000 uh, on this sort of mid-cycle run, what we want to see is basically breaking this line with momentum, right? Breaking this area with momentum and then uh, probably taking a pause at some of those statistical levels and then consolidating upside. So that's personally what I would want to see to try and get along with my short-term stack. Uh, as I told you guys last week, you know, my long-term stack or my long-term trading stack was still in play. I was just um, reducing my risk by getting out of the short term. Of course, you know, the hodl is the hodl. You, you must sell that. So at the moment, um, you know, things look like they're on the positive side uh, for Bitcoin. And especially for Bitcoin dominance, we're, we're reaching these uh, sort of horizontal areas of significance, right? You can draw that from, from back there. Um, the other thing is this yellow line here. That's just a, an eye marker for some very long-term scan. Uh, so it, I, I do think that this thing could top out all the way at 53. I would expect to at least make 52 and a half and then probably it's 53. At which point, um, you know, we might be able to see a bit more of an altcoin run. There could be some excitement there. Uh, perhaps, maybe not. Um, the last thing that I'll leave with you guys is just sort of a general warning on what we're seeing uh, and what we have seen with some of these narratives. To me, the big news is that Binance and the SEC reached a deal by which Binance would not have their funds frozen. They would just have to read. Now, that's important because Binance is a big factor in price. And as we know, um, there there is a significant amount of sort of rigging and fraud and paper trading that happens uh, to help push the price up. So uh, with Binance still in play, that, that sort of makes it that makes them able to push the price up here. I think that the uh, the ETF with the BlackRock ETF is more so of a social phenomenon. It's more so like social thing. It's not yet fundamental buying pressure because it's not yet available. It's just it's just an application. Um, so just know that uh, you know you need to be you need to tread carefully. Um, but uh, you know things things look kind of positive right here. So. Good luck to everyone out there, and I hope you guys have fun at MoneroCon. All righty. All right. The price for yeah, I've I've been completely ignoring the price for the last couple of just <laughs> freaking pilsners and listening to Monero talks. Um, so actually, guess, you want to you want to pat my beer? All right, so we're gonna we're gonna jump to the guests since we we have. Oh, let's do the segment. Yeah, run the segment. The Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet Store. Send, receive, and exchange of Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. <laughs> All right, we had to jump to the guest segment because we had some heavy hitters over here that we caught. 
Uh, I think they were in a in a game of, of Smash Bros, but we were able to pull them over. We got Luke Parker and Co. What's going on, guys? Hello, hello. Just enjoying the enjoying all the presentation, the company. Yeah, it, I'd, I'd say mainly the same. It's really great just to see them, see everyone. I mean, we got Aaron, we got Justin Berman, Co. We got the other Justin, we got Doug and Zanita. Very happy to see you too. Yeah, no, this is this is beautiful. And from our perspective, uh, it's nice not running the conference, but just participating in the conference. We get to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, what's been uh, your, your kind of greatest moment so far in terms of talks? Is there anything where, like, any talk that kind of sticks out in your mind is, oh. Can I like, say my own? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think your, yours is fantastic. But, but yeah, I guess yeah, you could say your own. You know, you could, you could show everybody what your true personality is. <laughs> uh, if I'm picking out someone else's um, co's talk with the Xano people on Zarkanum, I thought was really well done and really well explained from the technical side. Fantastic. I, I enjoyed the Improve Plus talk and learning about the reserve. It was something I thought about before. Now, I, I missed that talk. I, I, I like to grab him for an interview, um, but kind of what's what's the summation there? Do we Is it possible to do proof of funds with Monero? Is it, is it easy to implement? Uh, well, we do have reserve proofs today, but you leak, uh, leak, the, leak the key images of the outputs which you're proving are owned by you. So then when they're spent in the future, it's easy to identify, mm. which isn't ideal from a privacy. Personally, while I appreciate the work done on Mproof and Mproof Plus, I believe anyone who is trying to prove reserves and so on should are acknowledging that they're giving up their privacy in the name of attesting that they actually have the balance. So while I appreciate the work of Mproof and Mproof Plus and proving they have reserves, I'm less concerned with versions which further try to increase privacy because exchanges should be signaling the outputs they own, in my opinion. While that does allow foreign entities, chain analysis, whoever, to dismiss those outputs from the output set, those exchanges could already be handing over those outputs to those services anyways. And as Monero users and not corporations, we have to make that assumption anyways. So I, I appreciate Improve, Improve Plus trying to not have that privacy leak, but personally, I think the best value is just being very transparent about it on the exchange side to ensure their integrity. Okay. Are any exchanges doing proof of funds with Monero? Not that I know of. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the second issue. If they're, <laughs> if they're not using the existing Monero reserve proofs, why are they going to be touching M-proof, M-proof right. wasn't there, wasn't Bin Didn't Binance make a reserve proof and then they got called out for it being legitimate? I, uh, I don't know. I think they proved assets. They didn't prove liabilities. So, like, they proved they had X amount of money, but it wasn't clear how much was owed, how much was user funds, so on and so on. But I think they excluded Monero from that. Oh, okay. So now, normally I like to, to keep it on the tech with you guys, but uh, there have been big developments, right? In Europe, like Binance did delist Monero uh, and a bunch of other quote-unquote privacy coins, and then I think they relisted a bunch of cryptos, including Zcash, but not Monero. Any any opinion there, or have you even are you even aware of this? Yeah, I think it's. From a, from a business business point of view, that you're really sensitive to political pressure. So I don't necessarily blame them for being sensitive to political pressure, but uh, I think unfor unfortunate. Um, regulation isn't really my strong suit. Whenever I have regulatory questions, I just point to this guy here. 
they don't appreciate that. They keep insisting they're not a lawyer, but I keep pointing to them. <laughs> they <laughs> so, just happen to know the law really well. It's not legal um, advice. I understand why centralist exchanges have all these concerns. And personally, I think that emphasizes why we need atomic swap solutions. Earlier, uh, Elizabeth did a great presentation on uh, Ethereum and Monero atomic swaps. Uh, Farcaster had a workshop here to try to get people more involved with Bitcoin and Monero. And yeah. What else do you think needs to be done there with atomic swaps? Because it feels like it feels like the, the the tech is there. It's just not we're not really seeing adoption there, right? Is is that fair? Is that a fair assessment, or it's just it's not further enough along to where we would start to see adoption? Um, well, I don't really know too much about the the market for atomic swaps. So <laughs> okay, say. Um, uh, there's definitely. Am I on now? Yeah, yeah. I, Ju- I, so we got Ju- Justin just Justin jumped in. There, there, there are Monero celebrities lurking everywhere here, so we're gonna have different people jumping in. Everyone here is. Yeah. yeah. Um, my honest opinion on Atomic Swaps is they are the option of last resort for most people. Even if you spent a lot of effort making the user experience as good as possible, you still have a, full, a few fundamental challenges to it. So, assuming there are other parties out there that you can trade with that you trust enough not to steal your money and you're willing to take that risk, and often people do in real life, then people probably won't resort to atomic swaps unless they have to. But nevertheless, it's good for quality tools like this to exist should people need to switch to it. And then also in order to capture the market of people who do prioritize mitigating counterparty risk as their you know, primary, uh, you know, uh, instead of behind trading. Uh, I almost entirely agree with that. The one additional class of people I'd say is, uh, people doing very large OTC deals. If I wanted to buy $10 million of Monero, I wouldn't, I could probably deposit that to Kraken. I wouldn't want to go to Kraken. I would want to do an atomic swap with whoever my counterparty is. I wouldn't want to do any, any middleman at all. Though it's because of agreeing with what Justin said overall is kind of why I'm working on Sarai, which is meant to be that middle ground of decentralization, minimized trust, high security, but also accessibility UX and not burdening. And always having the liquidity there. Exactly. Um, But back atomic swaps, do we see maybe there's like some kind of implementation that can happen in something like Cake or Monero-Ju or or maybe like initially it would be like local Monero, right? Um, You see see things going down that way. So to kind of create usability through... I'm not too deep into local Monero, but I believe the large majority of it is cash trades and that can't be represented as an atomic swap. So, well, local Monero would definitely be... Well, there's crypto to crypto. Yeah, obviously there most is, of it is cash. But but... What small percentage is that? Yeah. Um, one of the Elizabeth's things was talking about getting uh, an in-browser version of Atomic Swap, so you don't have to download additional software. Right, that's what we're getting at. And yeah. she said that would have been very difficult to do, and it can be done. I believe it's done, been done once before for Monero, but it is difficult. And if the local Monero infrastructure works well enough right now, why throw in this technology that fails if you go offline? Okay. From my perspective, there's a bunch of moving parts. And because we always like to look site into the end user experience and figure out who wants that particular end user experience of what it would look like, um, things just really haven't matched up to this point. I don't want to say that it's definitely not possible because that's, that's just not true. There are ways that it can be done. But we haven't invested a lot of effort into it because you would need to have a user who's like extremely focused on that counterparty risk because you know they, they that's very important to them but then you'd also need them to be aware or able to deal with the situation with low liquidity and have a lot of patience and a lot of people don't have a lot of patience 
Um, the vast majority of our wallet users don't have patience to wait the 20 minutes to send Monero again mm -hmm. after they receive it in a in an exchange, let alone wait for someone to maybe possibly be online or not. Right. And then you also then have to deal with, okay, well, what if what if someone wants to take a trade of yours? Are we going to send a push notification to people telling them that someone wants to take a trade? How are we going to do that? We're going to use Google's API to send a push notification. Right. So who wants to use an atomic swap? But then also Google's yeah, API. Yeah, for, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so then we need to have a different implementation, which then has delays and has battery challenges. Right. So like, when you actually talk about what it would take to have the user experience to what we want it to look like, it ends up building a product that is where you lose the I think value much more of the niche than I think most people admit. Okay. Have you considered building the Cake Phone, a hardware wallet done from scratch yeah, exactly. that connects the Opa Mesh and uses Covery to anonymize its internet connections <laughs> I mean, it, to perform it, atomic swaps? On a are you announcing that here today? That is that would cake be interesting. Opa Mesh and Covery to plug into something. You know, I can call Vic right now and get them to promise to do this. Um, we, we, we miss you, Vic. By the way, Here, here's the Vic. Um, it's just it's one of those challenges where it's a. Uh, it's hard for us to justify at this time when there are as much low hand there's other low hanging fruit like auto generating sub addresses, for example, in the receive screen. We have a pull request for that, it's an alpha, people can test it now. But like that's a much more obvious thing I think for us yeah. to work on. Okay. Um, and and for, for better or worse, in the exchange partners offered and changed now, there is counterparty risk for that. But no one none of these partners have ever just stolen people's money despite you know, the potential risk of it. Does a risk exist? Yeah, but in practice, there are a lot of people seemingly willing to accept it for now because the UX trade-off is just so large otherwise. Right, right, right. So I want to minimize that trade-off, but it's it's still going to exist. Luke, Luke, where are we at? Where are we at with Sarai? What, 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 what's the latest? I know I know. Today, uh, you, you, your presentation here wasn't on that. We'll get we'll get to that because uh, I right. think it was one of the most most exciting. So but what's uh, your Sarai update? <laughs> I started saying this roughly about Monerotopia. I think I said with about two weeks of work, we could hit testnet. Then I proceeded to spend the next two months on my presentation. Uh, no. <laughs> so on the one hand, so you're blaming Sarai, it on us. Sarai is very close. On the other hand, I have not worked on Sarai for about two months now. <laughs> Shit. These conferences are, are slowing down the production. Of the well, not the conference, but the work I announced at okay. the conference. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. His, his presentation was not the... No, no, the, pre yeah, the yeah, presentation yeah. took like half an hour to an hour. No, the more contained it. Is. Oh, I not like the look of the presentation. <laughs> the developing of, of the concepts. No, I, I get it. So let's get into that. Uh, so Sarai's away. Um, Two weeks of war. Yeah. If I go back to work, <laughs> turns out I'm on vacation these next couple of days. But uh, full full membership proofs. Yes. Uh, that was your presentation. Something that you know a lot of people have been talking about, but you kind of boiled it down to boiled it down to a presentation where you're basically saying it's practical, it's on the horizon, we can do it. Here's on a high level how it can be done, and here's what the implications would be. Right? Yes and no. Um, I would like to start by saying. Uh, Monero has a pseudo-inactivity problem. There's obviously Monero development. Co's worked hard on Seraphis. A bunch of other people have been working on Seraphis. Justin uh, Berman works on wallet integrations, making sure that wallets are very fast, quick, expedient, easy to use. Obviously, we have Justin Ehrenhofer here, you know, leading cake, being the forefront of Monero adoption in that way. Um, so it's not like Monero doesn't have developers and they aren't doing anything. But whenever something new is discussed in Monero, it's not like we're a company. It's not like, oh, yeah, just start assigning the interns to that and let's schedule one of our researchers to work on it. 
no, Co's working on Seraphis. Everyone else is doing their things. And if you want to do something new, you have to bring in the people to do it or snatch someone up when they have the free time. So in that way, it's difficult for Monero to start new tasks and actually step forward. So what my work was announcing wasn't, hey, let's talk about full chain membership proofs. It's I've stepped forward and I've done full chain membership proofs. So now we don't have to, you know, spend weeks finding a cryptographer we trust to do it who has the time. We don't have to spend weeks having them do it. We don't have to present the problems. But most of the very academic, very cryptographic work has already been done. And now it's shifting into discussing with the Monero community as a whole, discussing with everyone how we want to shape this format productionize it, and then deploy it. And when we discuss integration of this, integration isn't, oh, you have to have a PhD in three different math courses. No, it's integration is hooking up the wallet utilities, making sure it works well in consumers, making sure that we understand the new flow for creating transactions. And that's something very accessible to all of the Monero community and isn't like, well, that's going to take months. I'm not going to touch that. I can, there's no way I could do that. It's okay, yeah, I'll sit down and spend a few hours getting the new terminology and I'll move forward. So that was my work. It's taking that step to getting so much of it done to the point anyone can continue it. What what changed, right? Because it was always like full, full membership proofs always felt like it was much further away uh, than than what, you're, what you proposed yesterday. Um, was it this just change in thinking that it's not, it's not moon math. Now, now we understand it better because of, of what, you know, the implementation we've seen in Zcash. Is that part of what's going on there? Why are we, why is the Monero community now all on board and ready to do this? So, um, I really have to consider from my personal point of view and my personal experience. Um, at the Monerotopia before the last one is actually when we started discussing with like Seth and everything. Um, and a few months later, Seth created a tracking issue for full chain membership proofs in Monero. And that's kind of been the uh, discussion point for this specific endeavor. Not that Monero hasn't discussed it for years. Um, and I had done some on and off attempts at it. They never really got anywhere. It was, I didn't have the experience at the time. But recently, between the Curve Trees paper, some loose discussions with uh, Aaron and Firo about eventually organizing on full chain membership proofs because we can use a very similar proof for both our work in Seraphis and Firo's work in Lelantis Spark. Um, about two months ago, I was in Austin at Consensus with a few Monero people and friends. Justin was there. The other Justin was there. Seth was there. And um, one of the things I was talking about is doing curve trees. I'm like, yeah, we just have to do the bulletproofs and then we'd have to do the curve trees and wait, this is a few weeks of work. This is manageable. And it's just kind of in that discussion, it clicked for me. Uh, and I just kind of started on it and then it drifted apart because as much as I would love to spend two months on it, I didn't have the time. And then Justin Berman and I made a certain work exchange. I do something for them. They do something for me. And the thing I did for them was building out this proof of concept. So a few weeks later I had it and I really enjoyed working with it and wanted to make it the best it could be. So I spent an extra few weeks just really hammering it and getting it solidified. Amazing. And what was kind of news to me is that you think there's a consideration that it could be implemented with Seraphis, with the initial implementation of Seraphis. Is that possible? Is that something that's, I mean, am I, am I getting that wrong? That's something. So I haven't prior really discussed this with the Monero community at large. I only told Co about this a day before my presentation for a few reasons. Uh, nothing against Co. I just knew they were busy and with Seraphis and everything. And I didn't want to drag them into this development effort. So I just kept focused on it and wanted to make sure I had something before I talked to anyone about it. So this hasn't really been discussed with the Monero community at large. So while this 
theoretically could be integrated with Seraphis. We can also continue doing Seraphis with Grudel and later move to Snarks. There's a lot of discussions, and I'm going to have to attend the Monero Research Lab meeting next week to start making my pitches. But if you want to talk about that, I think we have to ask Co. there. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's basically who the question was directed to. To get it, to get full chain membership implemented in Seraphis and then released to production with the first version, we need a, um, uh, a clear, a clear integration with the existing code base and, uh, solid performance numbers and robust security system analysis. So I think all of these are possible. Whether or not they will occur is up, is up to labor. Yeah. And does it, does it become the, you know, the, 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 lead, the, the long-term item for implementation of service or? Well, hopefully not. I mean, it's one of those things. It could be. Is it's it? a more challenging path to do, mm-hmm. but Monero, if it took easier path now and then had to do this later, there'd be two difficult network cool. upgrades. And I would prefer for us to A, get these sooner because I don't think people realize just how bad Monero's ring signatures have been specifically for targeted surveillance cases. And being able to remove a lot of the challenges with ring signatures and also things like the walk time on send transactions and the user experience there. Like, so, um. But that doesn't go away with, with Seraphis necessarily. That's not directly. Right. Okay. Never mind that. For, scratch that last point. <laughs> um, but even as it relates to just ring signature privacy, it's just such a monumental step forward that in my opinion, it, is worth like giving it our damnedest attempt to, to get, get that in. going right away. But granted, I'm not saying sacrifice security and stuff. I'm just saying the review process and the work process. But, but, you're, but you're saying initially implement Seraphis without full membership proofs because we could get there faster. And then I, I think that having two network personally, my own personal view is two difficult upgrades of that would be worse than a short additional extra period of time oh, okay. for. One difficult upgrade. One difficult upgrade, uh, gotcha. I do have one slight clarification. There's actually three paths ahead. Uh, my work on full chain membership proofs requires something called a curve trait. Or, sorry, not curve trait. That's the proof. Sorry, oh, curve cycle. Curve, curve oh. cycle. It requires a curve cycle. So there's three paths ahead. One, we do Seraphis, as it's prior been discussed, and that's it. Two, we do Seraphis with the Grudel proofs, but we also include the curve cycle. So we can add the curve cycle and still use Grudel. Or we can add the curve cycle and do full chain membership proof. Or we can not add the curve cycle and still do one of those two things. The thing is, is that if we do Seraphis without adding the curve cycle, then we're either A, kneecapping ourselves on performance. These proofs are going to be twice as expensive, twice as vague, and utter and hell to deal with. Or we move to a curve cycle later, and that would require throwing out all the old addresses, creating new addresses and new privacy pool. So that would be a difficult upgrade, like Justin is saying. If we do the currently discussed brutal proofs with a curve cycle, then later we can move to full chain membership proofs without such a strenuous hard fork. It's just, wow, I wish we could have had these sooner. Because we're not changing address types and things like that. Right. That it, as, once we move to the curve cycle, that's the over the hill. Just like mm-hmm. once we move to Seraphis, that's the over the hill. The issue now is we have two hills. So ideally, we just get one big hill and not two separate hills. Um, but one of the things I'm hoping with with the proof, the proof of concept and work I put forward is that even if we don't deploy it with Seraphis, it at least justifies moving to a curve cycle. I would say that um, to move to a curve cycle without 
implementing any proofs using the proof cycle, we need a like a 90% or higher um, prediction that we will in the future need the curve cycle because I think it would be a real a real blow to the project to move to make a major cryptographic change and then not actually need it and the and the as things move forward. So that's that's something I'm very worried about is we we really really want to be very very confident that. Um, I'd agree with that. I'd also say that yeah, I would sign off on ninety percent. I can also point to a few other things. I'm sure we can get into the nitty-gritty privately later, but... No, do it, do it out in the open. Come on. Let's, let's do all the... Yeah. I mean, the worst case... Fully transparent. The worst case would be we move to the curve cycle. A curve cycle means instead of having one elliptic curve, we have two elliptic curves that play off each other. It's a mm, okay. So, well, that was also news to me too. I didn't realize we'd be switching elliptic curves, but now you're saying it's not even so much. We would have right. So we have the current elliptic curve EV two five five one nine. We'd be switching to another curve that has a complementary curve that play off each other. Okay, and that allows for what? Why is that? Um, I'll try to keep the math minimal. If you, if you can't so, explain it, then oh, you don't oh, know. No, no, no. <laughs> elliptic curves are made up of op- uh, two types of things: scalars okay. and points. Right. Scalars are big numbers. They're used as your private key. Points are an X and Y coordinate, kind of like the graphs you did in high school. Um, and they're an X and Y coordinate, and they're your public key. So when you do these, so like you have your private key, and if you have your private key, you can sign signatures, but you give out your public key. No one can go from your public key to your private key. That's why elliptic curves are used in all these places, because it's hard to go from a public key to a private key, or rather, it's hard to go from a point to a scalar. When we do uh, zero-knowledge proofs, the uh, variables are the scalars, these very big numbers. And then we hide them, obscure them, do all this stuff with them via committing, uh, converting them to points. And everyone in the public gets the points. This is all hand-wavy. I'm sure Ko or Aaron could smack me on the head for the way I'm putting this. But just to wrap it up, so basically our variables are these big numbers, the scalars. With the curve cycle... It has the scalars and then has the points, which are X and Y coordinates. But the other curve has its scalars as the other curve's X and Y coordinates. So one of them has the point numbers, like it has two numbers, the X and Y coordinates, but they're one type of number. And then the scalars, another type of number. The other curve flips it. So that means that one of them has variables as its scalars. The other one has variables of the other one's points. And that allows you to... Work with points efficiently despite points not being variables by switching to the other curve mm-hmm. you do your math and then you switch back to get those points on this curve it's okay it's a thing okay <laughs> sorry if i didn't do the best in explaining it but the worst case if we move to a curve cycle if we don't end up using it is we switch to another curve and now we have two curve libraries and we just don't use any of the reasons we switched over mm-hmm. like if we don't use this curve cycle it's still a perfectly valid elliptic curve it's not going to have a it's not necessarily going to have reduction in security. It's just, why did we move off this elliptic curve for this one? Why did we put all this effort into moving and developing this new elliptic curve library if we're not going to use it? But the way the current research is, the curve cycles have very nice properties, and it's looking like the future of uh, elliptic curve proofs, unless we discuss a different type of curves called pairing curves, which are their own mess. Um, does anything, any of this possibly play into making Monero more quantum-resistant in the, in the future? Curve all types of, and all this. All, all this of these are elliptic curves. All of them get screwed by quantum computers. Okay. And also, off topic, um, I've always heard, you know, this idea that, you know, Bitcoin obviously uses a, a different elliptic curve than mm-hmm. Monero's. 
and uh, you know, Monero is seen as being a safe curve, whereas Bitcoin isn't. I, I, oh yeah, without uh, understanding why, um, I would love to get some understanding of that. Is that is that like a real thing? So Bitcoin uses SECP two fifty six K one, which actually is part of a curve cycle. Like it's part of a curve cycle. That's lucky for Bitcoin, though they don't use the other curve at all. Um, Monero uses. Oh, so they would have an easier time implementing. Like, right. If they wanted to add full chain membership proofs, they wouldn't have to move curves. They already have access. So Firo, Firo also uses SCCP GPU mm -hmm. K1. They don't have to look at yet another curve for that. Um, Monero uses ED25519. The label safe curve literally comes from DJB, uh, Daniel J. Bernstein's website, Safe Curves. Yeah. Which is a bunch of criteria for curve safety. But he's like an extremely legit guy, right? I mean, they have their fans and the people who hate them. <laughs> but what I want to try to get them on the show, I got to get them on a, on a Monero, safe curve. Monero talk show. While I do respect it as a benchmark, it only counts a curve as safe. It has a complete list of criteria. That list of criteria is a bit dated. Some of them can be questioned. So like SECP 256K1, I forget exactly why DJB says it doesn't meet all of the criteria, mm -hmm. but the criteria it doesn't meet are questionable and benefit or sure it's would be nice to have, but we don't need it. Mm -hmm. So it's not that SECP 256K1 isn't safe. It's just not listed as a safe curve by Daniel Bernstein. In light of Co, any, any comments on any of that? That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so for me to be out there being like, you know, Monero has a, has a uh, more trusted curve than the so Bitcoin. You can say according to one guy. <laughs> I, I think Well, isn't it also it was developed, like, all right, was was... Was Bitcoin's curve developed by, essentially by the NSA and East, our curve developed by like open source devs? Well, so, like, is there, clarify so, all this. P256, um, P256, uh, SECP 256K1 is also known as K256. Mm -hmm. But P256, I believe, was the more popular curve when Bitcoin started. And it was the question, why was K256, SECP 256K1 yeah. chosen? And I believe the rumor for that was, was because the P256 curve was had some more questionable origin and may have been backdoored. And accordingly, SECP 256K1 was slightly better, but I'm not sure either of them have their parameters fully published, like the reasoning for them. But despite not having the reasonings for the parameters fully published, I don't believe anyone has active concerns about their safety or them having a backdoor. It's just, I think ED25519, our current curve, went out of their way to specify how all these parameters were generated to make extra sure and not even allow the question to stand. And so which curve would we be moving to for full membership proofs? So you'd move... Uh, Tevador proposed uh, actually a variety of curves. We wouldn't be looking at any prior stated curve. I, it's, That's it's, I'm not going to say, oh, it's easy to find one. Grab a pen and paper. <laughs> we'll find 10. But no, there are scripts to find them and there are methods for finding them. It's how they've been developed over the years. It's not someone 10 years in the lab with beakers and test tubes. Right, right, right. It's mathematical programs. And Tevador is developing one that would be tailored towards our needs. Right. So they modified a script meant to find elliptic curves to find ones with a specific optimization. And they've proposed a few which should be as fast as our current curve. Because our current curve, EB25519, is about 33% faster than Bitcoin's curve, which is a very nice property. And so we'd obviously lose some of the speed, though, right? No, because, no, because of the ones Tevador's found, they would be just as fast. Oh, wow. And okay. they would also have slightly nicer properties. Um, back in the day, like several years ago, Monero was potentially vulnerable to an octuple spend via torsion. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, you could spend a transaction eight times by slightly editing the key mm -hmm. image, thanks to a property called torsion. 
Um, the curves which we would look at, be looking at moving to are prime order, which means they don't have torsion and they don't have the consideration of every point has eight different forms that are technically equivalent. So getting that out of the way would be pleasant. Um, so do, do we think that another project might lead the way here with implement, like would Firo kind of effectively lead the way with implementation of, uh, full proofs? In some ways it's a race. I mean, they're doing their own independent work on getting similar types of work implemented on their system. They have a different specific set of work to do because they're a Bitcoin fork. Mm -hmm. um, but we're running in more or less the same direction. They are doing some other things with their protocol. For example, supporting uh, multiple assets. Think kind of like an ERC-20 token on Firo. And there's no interest in doing that on the Monero's, get consensus, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. They're a smaller community. They may, and they... uh are a little bit more organized, specifically on the development side. So um, I'm not saying that will mean they'll do it faster, but they're also and, looking at this. But we would certainly, while they won't be completely analogous, we'll certainly learn a lot from their well, implementation. Well, what I was going to say is I am looking to collaborate. Technically, um, I've been talking with uh, Aaron and Aram for a few weeks now about this, and I'm trying to talk with both of them later today about this as well. So my proof of concept, which I did for Monero, Firo's also looking at, and I believe, going to base their research off of when the time comes. So while they might be first to deploy, just because they're closer to deploying Spark than we are to deploying mm -hmm. Seraphis, um, I do want to collaborate with them on the actual implementation. And while they may be first to deploy, I don't think that makes them first to develop it. I think that means we've developed it together and they're right. first to deploy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it helps us all along. I also think it's okay that, like, Monero isn't, like... Like, I want Monero to implement quickly because I know that the privacy improvement is major in significance. But, but you want it to be You know, we're not, we don't have the uh, privilege or we don't have the benefit of being such a small coin that no one cares, right? We have a lot of people that care and need the stability. We can't hand wave some of the checks. Everything needs to be done very methodically. Excuse me. I took the bulletproofs and I deleted all the math I didn't understand. That was it most made of it. it. So much faster. <laughs> it made it so much faster. I have the nodes on a napkin. I thought you promised me we would deploy this, Justin. Yes. Yeah. So you can on a separate fork that you make. Um, which, if Monero is able to invest, like, uh, a, a considered effort towards getting these implemented, I think that's in a good state where we're not you know, just frantically rushing to patch something like something's broken, but we're moving to make something substantially to think that's, you know, a good thing. Yeah, right. And, and just for everybody's understanding, what are, obviously we get a, we get a lot more privacy with full membership proofs, but like, as you said in your talk, what are the, uh, the costs at what cost? Well, real quick, I just want to emphasize one more time, just the level of privacy that it brings. Mm -hmm. So it, so Seraphis with ring sizes of like 128, let's say, removes a lot of the like mass surveillance type issue or mass issues. Things like P2Pool mining outputs, things like uh, mining pool outputs or other various points of metadata that would help fingerprint things. It mitigates a lot of those sorts of attacks to a pretty substantial degree. Um, things like, oh, well, the effective ring size is, redu is reduced on arbitrary transactions by like 20 or 30 percent due to, you know, information from outputs um that uh that's more or less solved with just a larger ring right but when it comes to targeted surveillance if someone is interacting with the, someone who's sending them funds and that one per person wants to investigate them more monero rings right now really suck um at those types of things and that's why the you can e watch the breaking monero e eae yep. I, I i personally still like the name poisoned outputs but mm -hmm. the idea that to your, 
over, it's also known as Overseer. Yeah. Magic Monero Fund recently hosted fundraising for research on it. Yes. And I believe there's a Breaking Monero episode also featuring a guy named Justin Ehrenhofer. You should yes. meet them sometime. Yeah, and I caused the poisoned <laughs> outputs there. And, um, yeah, that's a great, great episode. Um, but like that doesn't go away unless I'm not, a ring size of a thousand would still result in this, mm-hmm. right? You need such a larger anime set for these types of protection. And then the only real answer around it is like, well, be careful who you interact with or, Figure out how to do churning, which we don't still have good guides for, despite, mm-hmm. again, magic finding some research out. And, and then um, there's also this one sm- small improvement, but right now, like, a node can feed you bad data about the decoys, so your wallet can make a very poor decision of what decoys to use. Mm-hmm. Under this full chain membership proof, a node can't feed you uh, bad membership data. It has to give you accurate data. The most it can do is give you data from a week ago instead of the most recent, yeah. which will reduce you to whatever outputs existed on chain a week ago or a month ago, however long it selects, but it can't, like, eliminate you entirely. It's nothing like a poor ring selection. Right. Um, so anyway, it, so it, that, it is that people understand how yep. major of a privacy... Um, In terms of yeah. so, who the signer is. So that's the, that's the benefit. The benefit is, if you want protection against targeted surveillance, you basically need, um, unless you're putting it in the hands of a user being vigilant on their own, which I don't want to have to do. Like, it's, it's just... Right, because then we're it back sucks. at Bitcoin again, Then right? we're back at Bitcoin, yeah, we're kind of like well doing, like, user blame, point yeah, yeah, finger yeah. stuff, and yeah. I don't want that to happen, right? Yeah, so absolutely not. those are the benefits. Now for the cost. Um, so it would increase transaction size to some degree. I believe right now we're looking at 700 bytes for our 16 ranks the LSAGs. Uh, Co, do you know how big the 128 Gridle proofs are? Uh, the transactions are, uh, like, two and a half kilobytes for two in and two out. So whatever the... I think that's kind of close. To- Is it like four times larger than? Well, no, no, no. Because currently we would be. It's about twice as large. Twice as large. So, so, so it's. it's, 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 it's sorry. Is it the case that? Um, Current to the Grudel surface is about twice as large. For the membership groups, yeah. I think. So I believe right now it's roughly 600 bytes for the CL sites. I think that would put Grudel at roughly one kilobyte, 1.2 kilobytes. I might be slightly off. I'd have to double check. Um, Unfortunately, the full chain membership proofs go up to four kilobytes. So that is a bit larger, but it's not, you know, a hundred times larger. It's four to five times larger. Um, the main thing to consider is going to be the performance costs. It's going to be about six to seven times slower to verify once we get all the optimizations in. So that does mean either A, people have to have six to seven times faster computers. Assuming we're under load right now, which we aren't under load right now. And even when we have full blocks, we're not under load right now. Or B, um, we can only handle six times less transactions. So that it definitely is a consideration, but for the amount of privacy at stake, I don't see how we can say no, even if it is six times slower. Just to get people mm-hmm. like uh, the initial implementation of Ring CT had, on a size basis, larger transactions than would be for this full chain membership proof implementation. Mm-hmm. And how how would this okay? Uh, right now, if you create it, uh, you're allowed to create a transaction with up to 16 outputs, and we use bulletproofs to prove that all of those outputs are valid. Valid. If you take the bulletproofs for four transactions with 16 outputs, that's the amount of expense we're talking. Mm-hmm. And so, how would this potentially affect fees as well? Uh, I think that's more of an Arctic my question. <laughs> I mean, you can roughly think uh, the transaction is, I don't know, let, let's maybe fees will go up like four or five X, some type in magnitude there. I think in Arctic Minds talk they say that um, they want to increase the block size. If we if we grow the transaction size, they would want to increase the block size with it. 
And since fees are a function of block size, you fees would stay the same. I think that's Arctic Mines' advocacy from their talk yesterday. I, I don't think that's settled. Though. Like, that's one of those things that still needs to be discussed. Yeah. Fees are basically, you know, comparative to space. And space right. is a variable they get to play with. Right. I think Arctic Mines' goal is for fees to stay the same. So yeah. it, w- it would just and change the dynamic block size algorithm so that there'd be more space sooner. That, I mean, they, they want fees to stay the same. I'm yeah. personally less invested in keeping fees as low as Arctic Mines' targets. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I want pressures to keep fees down, but I'm okay with them being low. But, uh, so there's going to be some back and forth, I think, on the fees. Um, yeah, on, on that topic, do you guys, is there, do you see any issue with, with Venero's fees in terms of perhaps being too low? Uh, I think it's sub- subject right now. to spam attack. Is there any validity and a concern there? I think the fees are too low, and I think scaling is too aggressive with Monero currently. Is but fees, what, what's the problem with fees being? Obviously, it's if we could have low fees, why not? But there, there's I, a problem there, potentially. Blowings, uh, infecting rings for privacy regression. Again, before full-chain membership proofs is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty inexpensive to make a lot of Monero transactions right now, and uh, the scaling permits you to make quite a few um so i i think it's too permissive at the moment yeah. but of course arctic mine disagrees it's really hard to decide what the fees should be it's kind of an arbitrary question so what we really want to do is get it kind of good enough <laughs> as long as most people are kind of okay but what are we balancing it against abuse right like spam attacks and things like that right yeah you just it's just some resource cost for spam, and you have to pick a number that's big enough that it deters spammers, and a number small enough that you can still use it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's known to be possible with a curve cycle, and obviously this is under current research, so if we discuss, oh, well, in the future, you know, anything can happen in the future, but one of the things that's currently known to be possible with curve cycles is uh, recursive proofs. So a ZK proof, it's self-verifying ZK proofs. So if we're discussing scaling, if we have a curve cycle, one of the known options on the table would be uh, whoever mines a block kind of taking all of the membership proofs out of Monero transactions to just producing an even smaller proof that they were all correct. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of interesting discussions on that path. And while it's far too early to start now, this is why I personally really like and want to emphasize moving to a curve cycle because of the amount of possibilities. Right, right. It's a... And basically you're saying that, that, you know, after first implementation, there's a lot of room for improvement, right? Uh, in terms in terms of so- transaction speed and size, oh, right? Yeah. Just... Right now we're looking at Bulletproofs Plus. Right. Uh, we're using Bulletproof Plus for our outputs. I did my full-chain membership proofs work with Bulletproof Plus. Uh, we're currently doing academic review on Bulletproofs Plus Plus, which would be tens of percent faster and smaller. Um, and ideally, yes, I would move my work over from Bulletproofs Plus to that. And then what we're also... There's also other academic work from the electric coin company behind Zcash of Halo, which is formalized and proven, and Halo 2, which is not formalized and not proven yet was deployed for Zcash. And those would also be dramatically more efficient if done right. Mm. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you guys move on. We have an important talk to get to. Thank you, you two. Thank you so much, guys. This is amazing that we, we got all three of you here at the same time. Thank you, Luke. Happy what, which talk is coming up? Oh, right. Ah. All right. Yeah, maybe we'll get him after. Thank you, guys. Oh, we got it. We got it. No, good. Don't worry about it. You're good. Hello, yeah. How's All right. Go, 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 go grill Ram. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank what you, Joe. What happened? I got, I got this. Oh, you got to figure out which one okay. it is. 
All right. Careful with the cord. Oh, Hello, we got, we another got more, one. More guests rolling in. We do. That was awesome. Should, that, that was I awesome. Hope, I hope people. The sound was good on that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a beautiful conversation. Yeah, sounded great. Right. Sounded great, right? Yeah. I it's was like, like live in the Monero <laughs> Research Lab having having combos. Um, it was very intense. Good stuff and very super exciting. Um, that full membership proofs isn't just a theoretical thing at this point. It's very much on the horizon for Monero. How's it going, man? Well, it's fine. Nice Thank you so much for yeah, patiently waiting. You, you, can, you can move in a little bit. You, you can the throw show. these on so you can hear us better, and then if anybody chimes in online. Um, yep. Want to uh, quickly introduce yourself? I'm Michael. I work for Liberland as the Minister of Justice. That means an all-purpose lawyer. And we are building a country in the real life and on the blockchain, but mostly in the real life, between Maybe. Serbia and Croatia. Uh, Country, the freest country in the world, the Singapore of Europe, a country oriented at freedom and at privacy at the same time, which was a topic of my talk at this conference. How big is it? How big is Liberland? Three Monaco. Let's put it that way. Three Monacos. Three Monacos. So how about how big is that? Uh, That's like Uh, like seven million meters. Okay. All right. Uh, About in uh, in acres. Give, Give me acres. That's American. <laughs> Which is a stupid measure, right? I, I, I love the metric system. Much easier, but uh, I don't think in metric. Um, that's amazing, man. And so how much progress has Liberland made from inception of to, to where you're at now? A lot of progress, actually, because it began as an idea, and now it is a community of 700,000 supporters. Amazing. And uh, how, how many physical people? Right now, there is a settlement going on. I don't know how many people. It's not like hundreds, but uh, there are some there. And they, there is a border crossing point on boats, and uh, we're, we're alive. So how did, you got to tell us, you know, a lot of us here hearing about it. For, for, I mean, I've heard of Liberland, but never really learned about it. How did it even begin? And what, what, what were the steps that got you to the initial creation of? So that was created, Liberland was created by the first president, the current president, Vít Jedlička, who used to be, well, who is an entrepreneur in Czechia and a politician, used to be a politician. He, his thing was to try to create something like a Swiss democracy in Czechia, a place of free market commerce, low regulation, classical liberalism. But then he realized that it might be easier to find your own country rather than to use, uh, try to reform an existing one. So he and some other people found a place where there is no country, which is not Antarctica, neither it is uh, Virtawil, the an inhospitable part of the desert, but it's close by, it's in the Balkans, it's somewhere where we, close to where we all used to go on holidays, you know. What was the, what was it before it became Liberland? Like, what was it, uh, legally, what was it considered? So there was a dispute between Croatia and Serbia at the end of the Yugoslav war, and the dispute has, in very short, said that the status should be settled later. So it's like but, a kind of a demilitarized zone type of thing? Well, uh, it was like reserved for the future settlement that, however, never happened. And mm. so 30 years later, it was a no man's land, which is an international law uh, accepted for, uh, term. Um, and that means that the land is free for a country to take it or to be founded on, which is the case here. What are some other no man's lands that exist in the globe? There is a part of Antarctica. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, area, stretch of the desert between 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking of where we start our Monerotopia. So yeah, go ahead. The well, Antarctica. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess a desert would be like one of your best bets. Yeah. The problem is that there, there you have like the neighboring states do some do like monitor it. So where's uh, so desert where in, in Egypt around Egypt there? Like east, eastern, yeah, yeah, eastern Africa. But it's, it's you can you can Google it, Bert, how you? But but like. It is. There are other claimants, so you wouldn't be the first one. But the one who manages yeah. to actually turn that into the country gains it, right? So, so you still have a chance there. And then, last but not Let's least, go, guys. Let's go. This is <laughs> we got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> last but not least, there are other such smaller pockets around Lebanon, so it could become our neighbor. Oh. Yeah. That'd be nice. That we that we could, you know, form treaties and yeah, work but, t- work together. But those have also eventually been- unite. Indeed, those have also been claimed. But again, if you would be the first ones to actually manage to build something there, like what counts is a real-life success. We are working on our pocket. We're working on our land. We're trying to claim it, and we are there now. But the others aren't. So, so yeah, is it fair to say you guys are, are the leaders in this area of creating a, a libertarian utopia somewhere? Well, I, I know want... utopia is a loaded word, but creating a, you know, you define it. I don't want to be self-aggrandizing, but uh, I think we are. Hmm. We are the OG, and we are that by a long, long shot. Hmm. The most serious, the biggest community, the oldest, the ones who actually had the idea for the first time. And we're not against anybody who would be serious, and that's the word serious, that's very important, and go there and be our neighbors in one of the other smaller pockets, you know. But they have to be serious. Have you had, like, any conferences there and things like that? Or are, are people coming to Liberland? Oh, yes, of course. We are having twice per year, we have annual events, uh, close to Liberland, and we try to visit Liberland during those events. Uh, the closest to now is the Floating Man Festival, which is in August, in the beginning of August, begins 5th August. Feel free to attend. It's going to be a crypto conference, like the one we are on. Uh Web3 oriented, mm. Polkadot oriented, if you know what that is, because those are our friends oh, who, who, no. whose software we adapt for our own blockchain. But Monero is very well, very welcome there as well. Amazing. Uh, yeah, may, maybe we'll host the Monerotopia conference there. Indeed, that's very, very much possible. And we have a resort called Liberland Ark Village, which is close to Liberland, but it's in Serbia, so there is no, there are no issues with, um, police presence and such. It mm. is completely traditional, and uh, yet it is close to Liberland. And this is where those events begin. And then they usually uh, escalate into Liberland, so to say, with the few who want to visit it, who get the chance to do so. So it's a, it's a resort, and it's owned by us, and we can we can, uh, we can host the conferences there, and we do. There are lots of restaurants, hotels around it. It's really a great experience, and everybody's welcome. How, how is Liberland structured, um, and how is it not just going to evolve into another traditional state? Well, uh, it's now, it's currently, it, has, it is led by a provisional government, which is, the, which is a committee of uh, people led by the president. It's a pres- presidential republic mm-hmm. ruled by common sense and natural law. So say the articles of the provisional government, the interim constitution. We are drafting the real constitution, and we're going to put it to referendum as soon as that is possible. That will be possible when uh, 65% plus of all citizens are onboarded on our new blockchain, which is live. 
and the citizens are coming in. And when there are enough citizens on board it so that the referendum will be representative for sure, then we can start doing real democracy. And then we will become a parliamentary republic led by a prime minister select, elected by the Congress, which is the Parliament of Libya. Well, will it be, essentially be direct democracy? Will all participants in Liberland be part of this Congress? Well, not not of the Congress, but that will not be necessary. It will indeed be the most direct democracy in the world, the most participatory one as so well. So the citizens will, will participate in what way? They'll be voting on what? Every law. Every, every, law. every law. Every law has to go through a referendum, otherwise it's not a law. The Congress proposes the law. Okay. And, and it can be... gain delegations of votes. So like basically if you don't if you don't have the time to vote yourself, you can you can give your vote to your favorite congressperson and then they will vote for you. Proxy voting. Yeah, proxy voting. But nobody forces you to do that and mm. you can always give back your trust if mm. you don't trust that congressperson anymore. Yeah. So compare that to the current democracies where it's one time per five years, and that's, yes. that's that. I, I ran for Congress in 2020 in New York for, for U.S. Congress, and part of my uh, my plan was to uh, effectively uh, slip in a, a pseudo-direct democracy by way of allowing all my constituents to vote directly on every issue that would be in Congress, and then I would pledge to uh, use those the, the, those votes to determine how I vote in Congress. That's uh, a very, very yeah. enlightened idea. Yeah. Did you get through? Uh, I got much closer than anyone would have imagined because I was actually backed by the Republican Party, so I was the lead candidate, but it was in a primarily Democratic district. We got 44% of the vote, uh, but it was the, the closest anybody got in like 30 years knocking out a Democrat, and now the person who ran is a Republican and he just won. So the seat just flipped. If I would have kept running, would have had a very real chance. Um, but yeah, this is this is amazing. You guys are actually walking the walk here. Do you see issues like I said? So with with I called it gut together was the original concept we were working on. Uh, but I still ultimately believed in in uh, you know in in representative democracy, uh, democratic republics. I do think you need a representative there to protect the minority opinion. Um, how do you see that working in Liberland? So I guess because you still have legislators proposing the laws, that's how that gets worked out? Because there's this fear that would there be mob rule, right? Does it become potential direct democracy where uh, it's just majority always rules? Is there? How do you guys, have you guys thought about that? You don't get that in Liberland at all because what you, the, the next element of Liberland, which is very unique, is that you vote by tokens, mm -hmm. like in a DAO. So not all citizens have their have the same voice as far as adopting law is concerned. There is a head counted vote for repealing laws, so even the like poorest citizens can have equal. Yeah, I guess say I guess that's what I'm saying. What, what's what are the protections for minority opinions that that should be uh, you know you may want to protect as a society? Okay. I would like to start with the with the with the issue that's currently in democracies we live in, the majority opinion is also not protected because yes. there are many laws which are exist even against the will of the majority. So we're, first off, this, yeah, is, better than that. this is a big bug in democracy, obviously. So we are getting rid of that bug. And this is how, and I, I just explained how. So we have the head, head counted vote against. And the moment that 50% plus one of all possible voters say no to the law, it's no longer a law. 
and say no to an official, he's no longer an official. So that that's the protection of majority. The protection of minority is realized by the fact that we have a tokenized democracy, so it's not one person, one vote. Uh, a, a minority leader can sacrifice funds or work and get the token and then vests it into politics and then goes to vote. So the minority, even if there is not that many of them, they can be very active and they can be very helpful for the country. They mm. can get a lot of tokens mm -hmm. and they would actually maybe even have the majority say overall in the country, which is fine. Even that is fine for us because then they would have sacrificed much for the country. They would have committed their funds because it's not just pay for play. That's the current system. That's not liberalant. Current systems are largely pay for play, meaning that you can... If you have a lot of money, you can go to the party secretariat and, and sponsor yes. and get policy going. That's not what we are planning. We have sacrificed for play, meaning that you pay voluntary taxes or do work, and then you get a token oh, which you cannot move you can't, freely. You can't really buy the tokens. Exactly. Well, you you can you can buy, but it won't yeah, help you. There's going to be a natural market, right? That will exist where people will be. It won't help you because those tokens have to be first vested into the politics. Mm -hmm. And that means that you can't, you can't remove them and you can't sell them. You can only start investing, which is kind of liberal and socialist, but that's 10% per year maximum monthly investing. And while you're investing, you lose political rights in the sense of voting. So you cannot vote with the tokens. You can still be an official, you can be a minister, that's fine, but you cannot vote actively with your tokens. Others can delegate into you, then you vote with those tokens, but you cannot vote with your token. And so this is a safeguard that the money is not just on an account from which you can withdraw it and then that would be plutocracy, obviously, but it is sacrifice. You prove your commitment to the country and you therefore get the voting power. And that's what the minority can do. And the minority would therefore protect uh, its interests and make sure that uh, it will not be trampled by the majority. Mm. We are a constitutional republic, just like the U.S. It's just a constitutional republic for the 21st century. And how have you been and how do you foresee you guys interacting with other states? We are having 85 uh, diplomatic office uh, representative office, because they are not ambassadors, they are representative offices. Um, think of Taiwan, you know, which is a unrecognized state and also has representative offices. We are the same or similar. Um, and we are moving to with with several of those states to towards the recognition of our passport and towards uh, deals which signify a de facto recognition. However, we realize that the current system is such as it is, and that which we most need is to be left alone and to be able to do what we're best at, and that is to create the freest country in the world and to give freedom to those who want it and to bring prosperity into the region. So, But if we get recognized, and we did get recognized by Somaliland fully and formally, we do have an agreement with Haiti, and we are moving towards agreements with other countries. You can right now move through Mercosur. If you get in on your own passport from, let's say, America, then you could move around that area or hire a hotel or something like that uh, using a Liblan passport. So that's already working. The, the Liblan passport takes you where? Where does it give you access? Within to? Mercosur. And uh, there is one uh, South American country we are working with, uh, or Middle American rather, to get us full recognition of the passport, and then Somaliland. Oh, wow. Which is the Central American one? 
I'm not sure if I can. Okay. Because those are... We could whittle it down to... The negotiations are underway, and I don't want okay. to disturb that. Okay. Uh, the deal is not yet finalized, so mm. there's that. And we have uh, a state in America which is uh, which has on its floor recognition of the resolution. Uh, I, could, I could probably guess that one. New Hampshire. A state in America that's not New Hampshire? <laughs> well, sure as hell ain't New York, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's I think it's Googleable. Uh, okay, well, so, but, New Hampshire would have been my first guess, but wow, surprised us. Um, Instead of a question, how, I could ask somebody. Uh, I think Tetsudo has a question, but also someone's asking, "What's your contact so people can reach out to you?" So we have a website, www.liberland.org. You can contact me at justice at libgov.gov.lll.land. So that's a government website, or justice at liberland. Dot org. So that's my contact. But we I'll are put it in the notes. Yeah, liberland.org. Yes, it will be in show notes. Are, are there any corporations that have been created just like in Liberland that are not, or that are functioning uh, beyond Liberland? Yes, we are. We have rather thriving business sector for uh, for how young a state we are. What are any any corporations we might know? Like anything that's. Uh... Well, Cybersec, which okay. is an award-winning entity, but um, yeah. Okay. Uh, any like crypto? Like I'm thinking like exchanges and things like that. Would it, do you foresee that happening? Anything like that, where it becomes a crypto-friendly place, well, uh, we, place to create your crypto business? We do have a blockchain, mm-hmm. Liberland blockchain, and so on that blockchain, we expect DAOs to uh, spring up. We expect exchanges to start utilizing the very favorable. A crypto-friendly environment of Liberland. Mm. We are starting now, and the Floating Man Conference on the 5th and 6th will be uh, our first major blockchain. And and so what is legal tender in Liberland? Anything that buys you the goods is the proper answer. The sort of colloquial answer would be Bitcoin and the Liberland cryptocurrency and any other cryptocurrency, including Monero, they're all treated equally, right? All treated and let, equally. let the best monies win. Let people use whatever they want to use. Yes, yes, yes. We are not even like fixated on crypto, although it's probably going to be crypto. But if you come with gold, gold yep. and you get some something from gold, or even US dollars, be my guest. Uh, we are not going to talk into what people use as their uh, mm-hmm. means of exchange. That's for the market to determine, not for the government. I owe you an answer to, the, to your first question because I didn't answer it fully. You asked what will what will we do in order to prevent the government from bloating or something like that, from becoming oppressive? Yeah. Um, so we do have a very simple uh, remedy for that, which is foolproof, I would say. How can I say something like that? That's a bold statement. Well, I can say that because no beast will grow if it, does, if it doesn't get fed, and the beast of our government or the potential beast will not get fed by stolen money. Because there is no tax. Taxes. Vol- there is only voluntary tax right. in Liberland, but no mm-hmm. mandatory tax. There is no taxman with a gun. There is only the willingness of the people to uh, outsource certain jobs and services to the government if they so wish. That's the taxation system of Liberland. Think Patreon, but for country. You can even say what you want your money to, and it will be beautiful. Yes, and, and, yeah. and we, sh- we should intro you. You want to quickly intro yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Victor from IVPN. Uh, and I really enjoyed this conference. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, just going back to the corporations part. So our, our service, the VPN service, is, uh, having a jurisdiction is very important. And we'll be very good candidates to move there. But my concern would be, and I guess for, for many corporations, so we have partners 
data centers. Uh, we need uh, like the, the normie banking and we have to be plugged in and we have to be in a jurisdiction which is respectable, all, all the echoes. So uh, can you can you tell me like whether it's possible to moving towards a, a uh, state where, you know, corporations or companies who have concerns about that could be a little more relaxed or more... Uh... Thank you for the question. Uh, of course, we are building such a jurisdiction. There are many hurdles. Rome wasn't built in a day. The business environment of Liberland is currently in an experimental phase, albeit it already works in that experimental phase, but there are many caveats. We, are not, we do not offer the same business environment as an established country does. So anybody who would try to do business on, say, the Liberland marketplace has to acknowledge that. And there have to be, there are ways how to resolve that. We are 100% legal and compliant with international regulations. So, for example, you will have to have a business address in a different country. Yeah. And if you do that, then you have to follow their business establishment laws okay. and their tax law. Okay. There is how no... about like um, data protection? I'm sorry, uh, data, like uh, data protection and like uh, legislation. So I, I essentially have to keep that business uh, entity that I have now, which would be uh, uh, responsible for keeping the laws that it's in all sense, right? Yes, you would have to. You would have to in order to work in your country uh, or from your country. Sure you would have to, of course, follow their rules. And in order to work with European citizens, let's say, which is probably the meat of your question anyways, you would have to follow the GDPR. But you would have to do that, you will have to do that, even when the, there is a possibility to have a fully registered and respectable address in Liberland, and therefore you would not need to double incorporate. You would have to follow the GDPR with respect to the European about the, citizens but, anyways. Yes. Yeah, but, I, but that's, that's a good point. Okay, thank you. So yeah, maybe maybe I missed a little bit of that. So what what would be then the advantage of of incorporating Liberland if effectively you still have to obviously follow the laws of the states that you function in? It is mainly a uh, it is mainly a pilot program, it, and I've I've been very transparent about the fact that uh, the level of services is not yet the same mm-hmm. as in a European country mm-hmm. uh, established one. We're doing our best to make it different, but. Uh, you are incorporating effectively an online business like a DAO or something, but it's yep. not anonymous. So you have to have uh, a, a legal incorporation. Actually, we would cancel an incorporation where we would see that that's not the case because we want our jurisdiction to be respectable. And it means law abiding. That means respecting the laws of all the other countries around us and all over the world. Makes sense. Uh, and I think Victor kind of got at this, like, yeah, for data protection purposes, like, if you, you know, if I want to, you know, if IVPN wanted to keep their servers housed in Liberland, mm-hmm. could that potentially give them more protection, kind of like putting them in Iceland or something? Is there potential added yes. things that Liberland can do to keep other states out of out of the servers? Well, Liberland is so as long as you're working with Liberlanders, the re, somewhat more relaxed compared to the GDPR would apply. We do have a sort of GDPR, but that's only to gov- only for the government. So the real EU GDPR, one might say, real ours is real as well, right? Applies not to government; applies only to companies. We reversed it, so we we guarantee data pro- data protection. If your data gets to the government, the government is constitutional pro- protection actually cannot just give them out, cannot just handle them for nothing. So we have that data protection. But if you're not the government, then our rules would be more market and you would be benefiting from that towards Liberlanders or towards any other country which would like to 
double taxation treaty and free trade treaty and something like that. Okay. Uh, Victor, man, has it, has it, first, let me thank you for the, for the sponsorships over, over the years for Monero Talk and Monero Topia. Greatly appreciate it, man. But glad uh, we get to hang out a little bit. Yeah. It was really nice to, uh, see you coming over here. Like, yeah. Uh, last year. Meet you again. Yes. And so, uh, what's your take on MoneroCon? What, what do you think of it? Yeah. It's my first time at, uh, Paralanipolis and, uh, you know, I have friends who've been, uh, you know, involved in this and I, I was invited, but this is my first time and I, I, yeah, I love it. I want to be back and, uh, I, I might be back later this year. So yeah, but if, if you are watching this and uh, you haven't been to a Monero conference, you should you know, book your next one because it, and this is not a, like a direct promo for any of the future <laughs> things. That wasn't like, okay, so give me a beer. I'm going to, you know, start up in a promo for, uh, Monerotopia, but yeah, but, uh, it's just that everyone is really, uh, chill, you know, and everyone's very friendly. Even if you come alone and stuff, like, it feels like I'm the, I'm the promo guy for conference. <laughs> you know? okay, no, but no, but like uh, the, the, I mean it. You you know, it, everyone's relaxed and really nice, and you can have a chat about you know from politics to philosophy to uh, yeah to hey, uh, jump on them. So oh sorry, we're trying no, no. We're trying to get trying yeah, to get yeah, here yeah, to yeah, jump on over here. There's there's celebrities left yeah. or right, right? Like uh, <laughs> crypto anarchist celebrities. Yeah, but they but they all very very friendly and accessible. All no, awesome yeah, people, yeah, no, no, like big yeah. big egos and personas, and that's that's what that's why it's really nice. Any any in IVPN announcements or things you want to talk about that you guys are working on that Monero community might be interested in? Obviously, you you know you sell your services anonymously for Monero, which is awesome. Uh, we use it. Any any other info you want to put out there? Um, not specifically. Most of the things that we are doing. So we have some longer term plans, which might come into fruition later. I don't want to share it now. Um, but uh, yeah. So for that reason, no. We we've been doing this for more than ten years, and uh, our usual uh, strategy is like you know chugging along and uh, you know building it brick by brick, uh, step by step. And it's uh, right now it's very very fully. Fledged, very nice service, we think, and based on the customer responses. So, yeah, we just, we just want to keep doing it. Where do you guys have your servers housed technically? And, uh, you know, how, how, do you, how do you guys best protect the user in those terms? Yeah, so it's with, uh, with the partner data centers all over the world. And that's why it's an interesting question, because if you have your own data center, then you have much, much better full protection mm -hmm. against any kind of, like, physical tampering attacks. But uh, that's not very feasible. I don't. I know. I know one VPN provider, which I wouldn't recommend for other reasons that they have their own data centers. So usually, what happens is you partner with uh, with data centers and you either ship your servers there or, or they provision, uh, like ideally, a bare metal server to put it there, and you wipe it, uh, install it from scratch. And so there are some protections, but it's very. It, it's an important question because it also shines a little bit of a light on like the limitations of VPNs, which most VPN providers don't talk about. Yeah. So the, the VPNs don't save you from, from uh, targeted attacks. So right. if you do something that could be activist, uh, something, you know, which is considered illegal in the state you're living in, in the US, for example, you know, and, and you want real, uh, you know, anonymity, uh, then Probably a tour is, is a better choice for you generally. Right, because uh, a government always be able to get a warrant, essentially get access to the, uh, to the servers. But it, it depends on the service. With warrants, uh, they won't be able to get information from us for different reasons, which are details on, um, on our website. So they, they come to our jurisdiction, they ask for information. The police in our jurisdiction do not come to us, and we say we don't have any data to give. So that's that's the that's the mm -hmm. process, which is good. But in terms of the data centers, that's where, the, like different, if there's a targeted attack against you, 
there are different ways where governments can go in, cooperate with the data center, and do some, something called the traffic analysis, um, where they check in the data packets coming into the servers and going out. So it's, it's a resource-intensive, complex thing, but a general commercial VPN service is not designed to protect you against this kind of, like, very targeted attack. So right. if you do something that could be, you know, liable for you to get attacked. You guys uh, use uh, ephemeral RAM, like RAM-only servers, right? No, not yet. No, no. Oh, not but yet. Okay. Yeah, that's that's on the list. That, that's Tuxedo, by the way. Right. <laughs> nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tux, any any other questions for either of these gentlemen? Um, I had one for. Uh, remind me of your name, the Lieberland guy. Michael. 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 Nice to meet you. Oh, good to meet you. Um, so you guys are considered a? Would you be considered a micro nation? No, we are sovereign state. You are sovereign state. Would be seen as nations without. A real territory. We do have a real territory between Croatia and Serbia. So, so you we're are like reasonably recognized. We're the world's newest sovereign state. So states are made sovereign not by recognition, but by having state-like elements. And we do have those territory, government control over the territory, which we are establishing currently, and the ability to deal with international internationally, which we have demonstrated, for example, in Haiti and Malawi and other places. And uh, so the state is population a, estimate was. I, th I think Tux is packing his bags as we speak to him to, yeah. to move to Liberland. <laughs> well, you can, you, can, you can join us. It's the, the weather's beautiful. There are there is a border post with boats and houseboat and a, and a like boat established. I don't know exactly the, what the populace there is. It's not very high at the moment. So feel free to join us and make it a bit higher. I imagine it's uh, given the. Um... The, the ethics, it's probably not super complicated and not overly complicated to try and join and to move there if you wanted to. Yeah, well, you will have to face certain challenges and we'll be happy to introduce those to you and ways how to uh, weather them with grace, dignity and 100% legally. Of course. Uh, yeah, I see Vic was asking, how did you guys get the land? We kind of went over that. It was just, yes. uh, there was bunch of different parties kind of gunning for the land, right? And well, know. there was a bunch of different parties, meaning Croatia and Serbia, and they were not gunning for the land. They were trying to do their best to... Right, became uh, a wasteland. They were both saying, you yeah, can't use it, we can't use it. They were both very busy trying to disclaim their ownership of the land, and they still are disclaiming that ownership, so that means they don't want it. And so somebody wanted it, and that somebody is liberal and, uh, as represented by Viti Edlicka, our first president, our current president as well. That's how we got the land. And that's how you get the land in international law. I mean, this principle still stands. It's in the books of doctrine, and it's recognized. Amazing, man. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen. Anything else, any other info you want to throw out there? Um, all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep moving. We'll grab some more guests, get them on here. We're going to be here probably for another hour or so. Yeah, that's yeah, thank you, Victor. Thank, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you man. All right. All right. I guess. Uh, All right. We'll keep. Uh, maybe we'll just keep going and put on. In. Yeah. And uh, we have the dev site, so let's Whoa, uh, okay. drop in your pills now. All righty. I guess um, want to move on to the dev segment? Yeah, let's take let's, a break. Oh. How are your vocal cords? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like not I stop talking. Careful with the cords. Give me one second. Wait, our, our little waitress is back. What's up? Hold on one second. Okay. Uh, give us two yeah, seconds. Yeah, let's uh, let's run the dev report yeah, and we'll uh, stretch our legs here for a second while that's running. Yeah, and let's we'll do that. See if we Hold on one second. Awesome guest so far. Really cool. Oh yeah, yeah right. No, this, lots this has been of people. Yeah. Been amazing. All right, let's uh, let's do the dev segment. Let's give me one second. 
And now for the Monero development segment. Play it right now. Hi, it's D Goon here. And unfortunately, I won't be making it to the live show due to time differences. So we're going to do the dev section this way, pre recorded. And then this week, we have some really cool things happening, such as Monero funding tour. And tour is pretty important. Monero is pretty important. Also, they're both great privacy projects. And it's great to see them helping each other out. In the past, we've covered how Monero coders have helped Tor actually fight DDoS attacks. So this month, we're going to see how Monero's also contributed back to Tor. And what is Tor? Why is Tor important? Tor is the most private way to use the Internet, as far as I know. It's super private, and it's really important to support dissidents. Let's say you live in a country like the United States that, that wants to suppress certain information about what the, what the government is up to, what the military is up to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you want to be anonymous, but you want to put out data, you know, government leaks or like um, Assange, Julian Assange, you, might, you will use Tor, essentially, which helps protect you your privacy. Pretty important. Like I said, most private way to use Internet, dark egg marks are using it. Whistleblowers use it. It's subjectively a great thing. It needs to be. So that's the reason why government is trying to stop Tor or against Tor because, you know, it really helps bring a lot of things from the dark into the, which is a really great whistleblower tool. And Tor is really good for that. And it's basically how Tor works. Tor basically bounces your connection around different computers and each bounce sort of encapsulates it and hides it from outside viewers. And I believe the most basic understanding is that it does three hops between computers. Different computers, right? Someone might have a computer in, I don't know, China. Someone might have a computer in Australia. And it's kind of slow, but that's what happens when you bounce around randomly across the globe, right? Internet slows down, but it becomes encrypted and private internet. If it works well, there's some caveats to that. But generally speaking, that's how Tor works. You make it in connection to different computers bouncing around and sort of hiding your internet traffic. But once again, it's slow because the computers might be in different countries, in someone's basement, you know, in a in a hardware center. It all depends, basically. And who runs tornadoes, you might ask. Like I said earlier, tornadoes can be all around the world. So these people who run these are just chads. These are just volunteers who are just like, you know what, I want to support whistleblowing. I want to support all these great things that privacy and Tor brings. So they literally just put a computer or you know, server somewhere. It might be on-premise, might be in a cloud. And they just pay it out of their pocket, generally. There generally isn't a great way to make money from this. It's not something you would do to make money, right? You would do it to simply support the network and support a good. You're basically a chat. And another way to sort of overcome this idea of, like, relying on donations is that someone has the idea to make a app that allows you to donate Monero to tour operators. Basically how it works, um, the company, or not company, not-for-profit behind Tor releases stats about Tor. And then it's like, this is how much traffic was sent through. This is the computers that were used, et cetera, et cetera. If you run a tour note, you can, you can add your Monero address there and help receive donations. But what this project does is basically allows you the easy way to donate to tour operators in private anonymous cash Monero. And this is really important because you, you shouldn't rely just on people being good spirited, you know, to run something as vital as tour. So. It's really important to fund these things. It's really cool to see Monero stepping up and funding these type of projects. And you want to ask how much we've gone so far. Um, so far, that is this month, I believe, there are two whole Moneros have been donated to various related 
operators. It isn't a ton of money, right? You don't like you're not going to run a tornado because it makes you money. You're not doing it because it's going to give you retirement. You're doing it out of the kindness of your heart and you recognize that privacy is good. Everyone should have privacy. So the fact that Monero, this project just started this month, I believe, is really cool to see people have donated over two dollars to sorry, two Monero to this project, which is around if you use 150, around like, you know, $300 to various projects and have funded 320 relays that would not have funded before. So hopefully this is a great start. Hopefully the future just grows and grows and grows and we get more similar relationship between Monero and Tor. And once again, if you want to look up more about this, you can go to reiya.com. I'm not going to try to butcher the name and you'll see the donation address right here on the screen. Also, we, I recommend you go to the website, check it out, read it around. It's a pretty straightforward website. I think it's like one page as far as I looked at. It's really cool. Really cool project. So um, please check it out. Donate if you can. Tour is important. Monero is important. They go great together. I'm glad to see this project helping support both. And usually I end with a Monero talk reference. This is no exception. I'm going to try a different format since it's pre-recorded. It's going to be a Tor Monero quiz. Which Monero dev has written code to protect Tor from DDoS attack? If you, you know, are Monero talk, Monero Topia follower, you will know the answer to this. Is it Tevador, Arctic Mine, or Binary Fate? I'm going to give you a second. Make your choice. Uh, which one of these devs has written code to actually protect Tor from DDoS attacks? Well, let's get on to the answer. Hopefully you have an answer in your head. It was Tevador. And once again, if it happened in aerospace, Doug has an episode. So I recommend you go watch this episode. It's a really cool talk, talking about how Tor, and not, not simply Tor, sorry, but how Random X works together. Now I'd love to see an episode from Terrador and Doug about specifically Tor and the work he's done with that great dev. I mean, super talented, super talented set of devs we never have. It's great to see them working on other things. Like I said, check out this video. And for everyone in the world, hope you're doing good. People at MoneroCon, hope it goes well. And thank you so much. That's it. Hope you have a great day. Uh, All righty. We're back with more guests. (laughs) Endless endless flow of guests here, Yes, yes, yes. Um, And some of them I've already done the Monero talk with, so I probably won't because I don't want to bother people too much. Um, these guys I actually wanted to do little Monero talks with, but we're grabbing them now. You want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm, I'm Martin. I'm from the Austrian Economic Center in Vienna, uh, and I'm the senior research fellow there, chief economist. Fantastic. And Pavel, uh, the Monero community should be familiar with you at this point. Yeah, hello. My name is Pavel Lupta. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of this beautiful place. Uh, Brownie Polis, uh, we started like a Bitcoin coffee, the first crypto-only coffee almost 11 years ago. Amazing. Uh, and we laugh, we laugh on the road, and what else? And I'm a perpetual traveler, a global crypto-anarchist. Yes, you, you, gave, you gave a fantastic talk yesterday. I think it was the opening talk, right? Yeah, you, you yeah. I'm sure we don't slides, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was annoying. Uh, unfortunately, without slides... Uh, but it was basically, pa- Pavel's in the business of actually teaching people how to actually opt out, right? Exactly, exactly. How to use basically all legal ways to be more free economically and like economic and personal freedom, how to have like a more free life. Yeah, I definitely recommend people checking out the video. Uh, you were giving some recommendations on places people might want to consider getting a, a second residency, right? Yeah, it's, it's not only, only about residency, but also the residency. It's basically how to decentralize different aspects of, uh, like a personal and business life to different countries in order to, to have the cheapest and 
the best life from this point of view. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially now when uh, it's so easy and so cheap to uh, travel, for example, and people are uh, flexible and the world is global. Now it's, uh, you can use these both things like a flexibility and being global to definitely to achieve more both economical and personal. So, yeah, one of the things you mentioned was this idea of living off of crypto by taking loans from your crypto, right? Because that allows you to avoid a lot of the tax implications. Exactly. Especially when you leave majority of your time more than six months at one place and you want to be, you want to have like a tax-free, happy life, uh, you cannot have profit. The only thing how not to have profit is to leave from loans. How old uh, rich people like Elon Musk, for example, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, all these, uh, Warren Buffett, all these people, they live from loans. Mm. Because living from loans means no profit, no taxes. And what is really cool is that even now we have a lot of like a Bitcoin collateral loans. So basically you can deposit your Bitcoin as a collateral and you can, um, you can ask for a loan. Well, I don't know, like a few percent, two, three, four, five percent. Depends on the company or depends on the DAO. And then you can enjoy like uh, your money. And usually this, uh, this interest fee is lower than, uh, yearly inflation rate. So if you live at one place and you want to have like a tax free life, I strongly recommend you to live from the, uh, to live from the loan. Proof the loan is the best. You can use like a secure smart contract or many companies or DAO project like MakerDAO is one of the most famous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh and this is a topic we now you guys could both provide answers on um we've seen a crackdown on quote-unquote privacy coins in europe right uh we saw binance recently delist everything that they consider to be a privacy coin uh, monero was among them uh and then they relisted, I believe, including relisting Zcash, but they didn't relist Monero. Um, Pavel, what's your take on all this? I assume it's a crypto anarchist take of who cares what the regulators are saying. We should just be using crypto. But I'm curious what, what you know, you, you're, you're only, may, I, I, maybe mostly in Europe, or obviously you're here for quite a bit of time out of the year. Uh, what do you think about the, the regulatory crypto scene here and how it should or shouldn't affect its users. I think there are many different perspectives uh, uh, on this topic, and I'm the the optimist guy, which basically means that, um, like, when the Monero will be prohibited, or when when Monero is prohibited, more people s start to use it for sure. Yeah, Strides that effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because it basically means like uh, uh, privacy. There is like a big threat on privacy and, uh, and basically all people who really appreciate privacy, they should see that Europe Union, for example, is anti-privacy and, um, using Monero is just the only way. Like, a, like, for example, what I can tell you, like Czech Republic and Slovakia, uh, we have a tradition of using, uh, uh of doing something what is called Bexel. I'm not sure you know. Yeah, Bexel, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. It's a new English yeah, they, word. They part, well, they're supposed to participate in Monero. Yep, but we, we know all about it. Like, yep. Bexel basically means like a like a black market crypto mm. trading. You know? Right. So, But among so, your own network, right? Yeah, and this has really long tradition in Slovakia or Czechoslovakia. So for these people, it won't be nothing new. You know, like they, they were like a crypto Bexel people staying outside. 
dealing cash for Monero. Yeah, that's we we have already had these, you know, like with USD dollars and Czech crowns, uh, because USD in Czechoslovakia uh, was prohibited, also like the German German marks, for example. So yeah, like uh, especially in Czechoslovakia, people will just take it like a new situation and just like a uh, like we we are expecting a, like like new. Even like you have application Vexel, for example, which is like a peer-to-peer, non-regulated crypto trading, and it's super popular here. This application, and you can trade everything, including like a, a Monero, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, some prohibition of Monero in the European Union in Czechoslovakia means nothing. I think it will be even even more popular. So I'm pretty optimistic from this point of view. I, mean, I think I, we, we share that optimism. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, one thing that, that might also be interesting is that now we, we have the chance to actually communicate to people that they have to rely on some decentralized mechanisms to buy Monero to, to really, um, yeah, we, we, we should actually aim for that. So I'm, I'm quite thankful that, uh, Monero is not on decentralized, uh, on centralized exchanges. It's forcing anymore. people to use it exactly, the correct way. Exactly. So that, that, that's good news actually. Like a, like a prohibition of anonymous Cryptocurrencies is also something that sends signal to all Europeans. Hey, we are basically going to the totalitarian digital totalitarian society to dystopia. The government doesn't want you to have privacy. Exactly, exactly. It's basically like a broadcasting to all people here. You in the future you won't have privacy. So, 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 so I think this will have like an opposite effect because still many people they really want like a privacy. I even think that uh, we are uh, still like a golden golden ages of Monero Ruby maybe in five years. Mm. That's why I'm super optimistic. Are you kind of surprised though to see uh, the European governments moving in this direction so swiftly compared to even I'd say they're ahead of the United States in terms of cracking down on privacy tech, which is seems a little hypocritical uh, given that you know Europe is also kind of ahead of the curve in terms of protecting people's data and privacy right like in implementing regulations that mandated that corporations uh, protected people's privacy and data I'd say they were ahead of the United States on that but now they seem to be ahead in terms of cracking down on people's use of privacy tools I'm, I'm not surprised at all because the, the European Union focus on all measures that actually increase their power when it comes to protecting privacy. So all the regulation that the European Union has implemented or the European governments have in, implemented are just uh, a power grab, so to speak, for, for governments to actually have a bigger role in the protection of, of privacy. And Monero takes the power away from that and other privacy tools we are discussing here. So I guess it's not really surprising that the European Union was acting so swiftly. I actually expected something like that to mm-hmm. really fast. Yeah. We, we, should, we, shouldn't for, uh, we shouldn't forget that uh, European Union is planning to uh, introduce and enforce CBDC in a period of, for example, five years. And uh, when they want to persuade people to use uh, CBDC in five years, there shouldn't be like a like a competitors, you know, they shouldn't be like a competitive cryptocurrencies. People will be able to use legally. So, so basically, I think this is also the part, uh, not only of the European Union, but also of the U.S. 
how to uh, like destroy potential competition of CBDC because because when when people can still use like easily with no regulation so so a lot of regulation means uh, like nobody will use it you know so later regulation a lot of really a lot of regulation basically means technically ban uh, so they just want to regulate cryptocurrency so much that it can be it won't make sense to use them and 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 this is the plan because because we will have like a cbdc and everybody should use uh, cbdc that's the official european plan and also that's the official plan of the united states here like even in anything in june now this month or the next month there will launch the fed now not sure you know the fed yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and fed now should be like a one of the first implementation of cbdc in the u.s yeah, basically a cbdc without calling it a cbdc yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so how far do you see things going in Europe in terms of regulations against privacy goods? Do you mean on privacy regulation or what exactly do you mean? Uh, like how far will the European Union go in terms of making it perhaps difficult for people to use something like Monero? Well, do you get to the point where they potentially ban it? Well, they might, but uh, as Pavel actually already mentioned, there might be a Streisand effect, and they might be aware of that. So let's see whether they will really ban it. I, I think it could be, um, but let, let's see there. I'm, I'm really not sure. I think I think the European Union is, is killing this by over-regulations. I'm going to tell you like an example, you know, like that. For example, now in European Union, uh, when you want to change uh, fiat to crypto, you have to do KYC from zero. So even if you want to change the 10 euros, for example, to crypto, officially you should get KYC from 10 euros, for example, two euros. And for the uh, ATM, uh, like a ATM, like Bitcoin ATM companies or crypto ATM company, this doesn't make economic sense at all. You know, like because this KYC process is so bureaucratic, so complex, so comprehensive, so 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 uh, it doesn't make economic sense to have these Bitcoin ATM machines here. So for example, all my friends who own uh, these Bitcoin ATM machines, they moved the Bitcoin ATM machine to Uruguay and Panama. So for example, in Slovakia, Czech Republic, all these Bitcoin ATM companies are just moving away. You know? And that's exactly how European is killing crypto. Just so, it's not officially like it prohibited because you know, we are like a democratic society. We cannot ban things, but it's so overregulated that nobody will use it. Effectively, yeah. yeah. Make it economically unfeasible. That's it. Economically not feasible. Exactly. Economically not feasible. And so, your talk—it was on the economics of privacy. Yes. Uh, give us what, what, what is the thesis there? What, what, what was the point? Well, the, the thesis is that by governments even regulating or uh, just making regulation on, on privacy. They are actually uh, creating less less responsible usage of data, so they are making people less responsible when it comes to broadcasting their data, broadcasting their information. So this actually creates a society where people are like, I don't care about my privacy because government protects me anyway. This is one of the major points. And the other point was that. Um, we will, by just having the data out there in the public because it's uh, forced by the government, we will create a society that is self-censoring. And this has economic effects when it comes to innovation because innovation requires 
that uh, you have some some willingness to be to go against the norm to uh, just disrupt the current state and if that is punished by government potentially at least then you won't have uh, the the willingness at the uh, magnitude that you should have um, yeah relative to to before so yeah i guess that the privacy issue will really be a major issue in the next few years just because governments will probably uh, create less responsible people and then make them um, sense, make them senses themselves so it's it's quite a dire outcome are uh basically more protection laws means less personal individual responsibility and so, so for example many people in europe didn't expect hey we have like a gdpr and we have all these like a privacy rules yeah. and it means nothing you know it's it's very little like a correlation with the real security for example i, I have a company we do penetration testing and security audits and everything and just the fact that someone some company is following all these privacy regulation it means nothing we can still hack it this company easily you know like a uh, it's not. It, it doesn't reflect. It's like paper security. It doesn't reflect like a real security. And so, where you know, uh, economics and privacy. How do you see Monero interacting and, and affecting these things? Well, that's actually quite easy. It creates an alternative structure that allows us to preserve some sort of, of privacy, or, or at least a modicum of, of privacy in a society where the government really tracks down on privacy. And I think this is important, um, especially when it comes to, you know, just think at what happened with the trucker protests in, in Canada, where they had their bank accounts freezed and, and all the assets. So Monero could be used as a tool to counteract, and this is uh, getting more and more important. And so what do you think needs to happen to, I guess, Pro adoption is, is right, is, is really the need. Uh, any thoughts there? It's just people's eyes need to be open when these incidents happen as to the fact that these tools exist and can prevent governments from uh, imposing their tyranny on people. Well, um, I, I think what Monero and Bitcoin already did a great job on is to make the tool easy. Um, maybe we could still improve on because when I talk with people, they still find it hard to use. I'm, I'm not sure why this is, to be honest, mm -hmm. because I find the tools easy to use at, at this point. But maybe there's still some, some room for improvement. That would be one, one uh, issue maybe, and also make Monero more known because many people that I talk with, even the people that are kind of into privacy, just have never heard of Monero, which I find amazing. Right. Uh, but yeah, some, some people seem to not have I yeah, I, I don't know how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, not sure either. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what we can do. To, yeah. <laughs> <right>? maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you're, you're doing a great job there. Yeah, so. <laughs> we're, we're try. I think maybe maybe the privacy community is just too private, right? Like it, it, it kind of makes it harder for things to socially travel when everybody's... Uh, maybe, yes. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, thank you so much, guys. I'll let you continue to enjoy the conference. Pavel, thank you so much, man. And, you know... Thank you for allowing MoneroCon to, to host yeah. a conference here. Yeah, to be sincere, I'm super happy that this year MoneroCon takes place in, in Carolina College in La Fabrica. 
to me, uh, this is this was my dream. So I can tell you my dream was achieved. I'm really happy that Mother of Calm takes place here. Like that. Uh, cool. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say a lot of the ideology that's a, a core to the ethos of Monero uh, was maybe not furthered here, but kind of formulated and spread from here, from Paranel Polis, from maybe, maybe conventions maybe. you've had in the yeah. past and the, the thinkers you've had that put information out there. A lot of those ideas came from here. Yeah, yeah. maybe you should know that like in Paranel Polis, our goal was, is, and will be all this freedom. And we use crypto as a liberation, or we consider crypto to be a liberation tool. And that's exactly the reason why we love Monero, because thanks to Monero, we can achieve more freedom, more privacy, everything. So there's a big difference uh, between like a Paranel Police and many other places, you know, like at some like tech places doing some, I don't know, Ethereum things. We care about freedom. This is the most important thing in this place. The tech is just a tool. And the tech is, we love tech, but it's just a tool to achieve freedom and privacy, you know, so, and it always be. So, so basically that's why crypto conferences organized in Parliament Police are always focused on, uh, on freedom. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, Pavel. <laughs> I'm you. sure we'll be talking more and hanging yeah, out yeah, in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, friend. Of course. Um, all right, we'll move on. Do we still have any other... Oh, we have the news segment. Yeah, well, yeah. you want to play that? Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do that. that. Thank and you, guys. We'll go take a break. We'll go take a break, yeah. Uh, all righty, let's, uh, let's put on the news with Tony. It's also pre-recorded, so oh, here's our little intro. And now for our weekly news segment. Our news session today is June 24th, which is the first day of MoneroCon. So at the end of the video, you're going to see a couple pictures. Uh, but we are there right now. This year, it's going to be in Prague. And that's very, very uh, cool and exciting. So uh, besides that, we have a lot of big uh, news when it comes to Monero. Uh, the first thing that I want to discuss is interesting. So a Russian man donated to the Ukrainian army fund in ordinary uh, crypto, right? So maybe Bitcoin or something like that. And he's, <laughs> um, he has been caught and uh, he's now arrested by the FSB RU, which is a Russian secret torture service, according to uh, this person's translation. And he faces 25 years in jail for treason. So um, what I want to emph emphasize with this is basically that if he had used Monero, then nobody would have known that transaction existed. Nobody would have, would have known that um, he even made that uh, transaction and then he would not have been in jail right now. So um, just it just shows that you need privacy in, in the currency um, and it shows where it fails when you have a uh, transparent blockchain. So um, yeah, another thing in which Monero is superior is uh, the fees. So the fees are very, very low for the people that don't know. And I got this from Reddit. Someone on Reddit uh, posted this and you know, the person made it. Um, so it shows uh, Monero's average fees versus Bitcoin's average fees. So in Monero, it's 0.001 average fee, which is nothing. Right? It's, it's very, very low. It's, uh, it's nothing. And, but in Bitcoin, it's $5. That's the average fee, which is really high uh, for just a, a fee for transacting. And then we have a chart uh, for since last year to today. And it shows kind of where we are. Uh, Monero, low fees at all times. 
you know, 0.0 something, and then Bitcoin is almost always over a dollar. Uh, one time it was even $31 on, uh, just and not too long ago. So, but Monero was still at 0.05. So it also shows that Monero is superior in, in the fees because the more it's used, actually, the lower the, the fees due to Monero architecture. And uh, it matters when it comes to to spending this currency. And uh, if the if the person that you want to transact with doesn't accept Monero directly, what you can do is you can go on Cake Wallet and you can use Cake Pay and you can get a gift card for your Monero and then you can pay for your service this way. And they just added Burger King to their 200 plus vendor list in Cake Pay. So yeah, go ahead and, and use that. Now, next thing that I want to bring up, oh, just <laughs> back to Cake, Cake Wallet actually, they had an update uh, four days ago, 4.6.7. So make sure you update that and Monero.com is 1.3.8. Um, updates in iPad, table UI, so um, there's a new layout for the iPad and tablets, site shift updating fixes, improved MoonPay cell, bug fixes, and many other things. So make sure that you update to the newest version of uh, Cake Wallet. Uh, next, we have something from um, my our team members, uh, Digun, which is, I mean, he does an excellent job, and uh, this is a very, very cool uh, service that he just released. So. Uh, he recently launched Phantom Phone, which is an anonymous phone number verification service. He said, Phantom Phone gives you phone number for services that require it, such as Signal, Telegram, Tinder, etc. And he offers short and long-term rental numbers. If you want to test the service, a free public number is on landing. Uh, it, it is less secure, he says, than having a physical burner phone, but it's cheaper and more convenient. Um, if you want a good deal on an anonymous burner phone, uh, my other service, Non-Shop, which you should check out, lets you get better deals on burner phone, phones than physical stores offer. Um, yeah, so if you have any questions about this, make sure that you reach out to him. The website is very beautiful, of course. Um, he's very particular when it comes to, to style, and his Twitter is... His posts are very aesthetically pleasing as well. Um, beautiful website, and yeah, make sure you, you check it out. That's uh, That's really cool. Um, now, next thing, Monero OS. This is a bit more technical, but someone may, someone has been playing with nice hash OS. And he said, the person said, or she, uh, it seems fairly good except for the fact that it is custodial prop, uh, proprietary and may need KYC. So the person thought that he could or she could create something like that for Monero. So Monero OS came into existence. And for more details, make sure that you go on, on the links and look on the GitHub and uh, play with it if you want. Uh, Movad, now Movad has been accepting Monero for a long time. Uh, this is not something new, but I saw it pop up on, on Reddit again. Um, so just as a, as a reminder, if you want a VPN provider, Movad does accept Monero. And if you like Movad, then pay Monero. You're gonna have a VPN. Uh, now, for our team, we are looking to hire a UX UI designer. So if you're interested, make sure that email us at Monero at protonmail.com. Uh, yeah, we do need help. It's always needed. So make sure that you read the description and uh, join the team. That'll be going. Next, a um, bit of CBDC. So we have two articles <laughs> which are kind of opposing. Uh, one in Slovakia, um, which this is... Very nice to see. And uh, I don't think it's surprising. I think Slovenia or Slovakia. No, Slovakia, I think, um, is very crypto-friendly. So they passed uh, in its constitution um, the right of its citizens to pay for goods and services with cash, right? Because they are fearful of the digital euro. They're quite aware of what could happen. 
Um, so, Slovakia's financial sovereignty said, it is very important that there is a provision in the Constitution based on which we can defend ourselves in the future against any orders from the outside, saying that there can be can only be digital euro and no other payment options. Also protects shopkeepers, you know, if they want to refuse cash, of course. Um, if they choose to do that, they, they can. So it protects them as well. Uh, maybe against robberies, exposure to germs. But a lot of things have germs. That's not... I mean, money is disgusting in itself, you know, because everybody touches and stuff like that, but whatever. I and mean, we touch a lot of other things. Just wash your hands after when you get home. Uh, but yeah, uh, robberies and things like that. So the shopkeeper, for some reason, does not want to accept... Uh, cash and wants to pay the exorbitant <laughs> fees from Visa and all the other people, which is 3% and up. American Express is like 7%, uh, right? So they can choose to do that. Uh, and yeah, so very good to see from, from Slovakia protecting themselves from what is coming. And it is coming because in the US, we've seen some articles in the past few sections where they say, oh, we're thinking about the CBDC. We're not sure if it's going to come. We're doing a lot of research, putting a lot of money, but maybe it's not going to come. We have CBDCs in, in some countries, and I think last news section we had an article on it. But look at France. So the French central banker said, uh, Francois Villeroy de Gaulle, sorry if I didn't say that correctly, but he tried to soft sell the proposed Euro CBDC to commercial bankers emphasizing collaboration and the CBDC's advantages. Uh, and in the article, he says that it's kind of like um, the euro will be a digital banknote or cash plus, right? So the cash plus is a very interesting way of, of putting it because it's like cash, but it's plus. It has, it's better, right? It's an improved version of cash. Uh, that's their selling point. Of course, we don't know. A lot of people don't know what is going to come with a lot of bad stuff. Um, but they said, we central banks have absolutely no intention to open private accounts. Um, yeah, so interesting kind of two opposing um, views coming from Slovakia versus French. Of course, this is just one central banker. There's probably people in France, of course, 100% in the from the political realm that are opposing CBDCs and are aware of them. I'm not sure what, how many of them, but um, we should see. Uh, yeah, the Slovakia um, uh, rule has been passed, so it's in the constitution. I'm not sure when it's going to go in the constitution, but yeah, it has been passed. passed. Uh, now, last things that we uh, are going to discuss for today is Monerocon. It's a very special time of the year. Monerocon, we have Monerotopia not too long ago, like a month ago. Now we have Monerocon, which is in Czech Republic in Prague. So uh, yeah, make sure that you go on the live stream, check it out. Right, you can tune in with them. Then we have a dog is there, Sunita is there, and they bought a lot. It brought a lot of of gratuitous uh, coffee. So make sure you spend your monero, buy some coffee uh, from us. And if you go on, oops, I had to pull up monero con. Let's type that. Okay. Um, yeah, people are already in Prague. Of course, this is day one. It's very exciting. There's lots of pictures on, on Twitter. So if you don't have Twitter, go on Twitter. Or even if you don't have Twitter, just go on Twitter and check out the pictures from the Monerocon page. I can buy stickers, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so yeah, very cool time. Monerujo um, t-shirt over here. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very, very good time for the people that are attending. Hopefully next year I can attend it. I'll be in Europe in like one month. Couldn't make it to Prague, fortunately, but uh, guys, this was this week's news um, section. Hopefully, you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week with uh, more exciting things. And have a good week. Bye bye.
All righty. All righty. Uh, More we're, people we're back with new people. We've got endless rounds. We were going to potentially end the stream, but there's just, there's just there's too just so much many. good content to go around. Uh, for example, like this table we're watching right over here, right? We're, we're watching yeah. the magic happen over here. We have uh, the Firo team and the Monero team, guys from Zano. Uh, and they're all kind of. I, I need think, to turn the camera. are all talking about full membership proofs and the, the potential Monero upgrades. So no, I won't extremely, extremely exciting to, to witness. Um, and, and we got new guests over here. You guys want to quickly introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. I'm Kale Sharak. I'm head of uh, engineering at Tari Labs. And I'm Mike Berry. I'm from the. I'm one of the core developers. Yes. So what's going on with? Atari, guys. I haven't heard much about it recently. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a couple of... Do you guys want to put your mics on? I do want to. How did you know? People are noisy. Um, yeah, it's been a couple of years since we chatted, right? Um, so, you know, we've been working hard the last few years. Uh, essentially, the big news is like we're starting audits on the main, on main uh, the, the base layer chain yeah. next week. Um, once the orders are done, that'll take a couple of months. You know, nothing really, you know, we can make a decision then. Assuming the order's clean, um, the main it is the, the, uh, the layer real, one. Yeah. The layer one is, is done. Um, we still got some work to do on the layer two, which is the, you know, really interesting stuff. The smart contract layer. Um, but we've made a huge amount of progress there in the last yeah, year or so. Um, we've got the Tari virtual machine for running smart contracts. Um, we've got the, the bridges between the layer one and layer two, uh, more or less sorted out. We had to invent a whole new, um, extension to Mimblewimble to allow that to happen, uh, which we call Tari Script, mm -hmm. essentially adding scripting capabilities to Mimblewimble. Um, leveraging that lets us, uh, split the responsibility of the Tari smart asset network between a proof of work chain, which is like highly secure and slow, and then a Byzantine fault tolerant network. Which is hyper fast, hyper scalable, and that's where the smart contracts are running. And, uh, you know, the, that, that, that split lets us choose the best of both worlds. We let the proof of work do what it's good at, and we let the BFT do what it's good at, and try and get a, a, an overall experience that is incredibly easy for developers, incredibly performant, and private. So, for anybody that's actually hearing about Tari for the first time, how would you describe it, what it is, and how it may relate to Monero or may not relate to Monero in any way. We want to make Tari the sensible choice for anyone who's looking at building a smart contract who, uh, they're, they're looking at building a smart contract on a chain that they can trust. The, the motto we'd like to have is it's just easier to do it on Tari. Um, it's just safer to do it on Tari and you are, um, you, are not worried about the privacy concerns, right? So, so if you want to, uh, if you believe in privacy, like all of us do, that you do, that, you, that, that this option is available to you, right? And the things you don't have to think about is scalability. Will my transaction fees just skyrocket at some point? Uh, is it safe? Uh, do I need to pay some developer in cr a crazy amount of money to try and audit this code? Or is it, is there going to be some, back door in it so so we want to build building blocks we're going to provide building blocks for developers and not even developers guys with very little development experience just to build something and engage with the web3 or the DeFi or the decentralized digital currencies and digital assets without that fear of we want to reduce that that um entry point you know, the, um, 
people want to do this month is whatever. Um, the fact is, the Monero chain itself, that kind of thing, Monero is number one dollar for privacy. I just want to make sure people can hear you because yeah. you, sound, you sound a little low. You there we go. Low. That's better. Okay. Oh. So, yeah, just to repeat. Like, so, you know, p- people want to be able to do. DeFi, the NFTs, uh, decentralized identity, all these kind of applications in Web3. The, the core Monero chain is is not going to support, right? Because Monero's mission is privacy, and that's the, their goal, and rightfully so. So, so what Tari does is it brings the the Monero philosophy of you know keeping things as private and permissionless and self-sovereign and censorship resistant as possible into a, a Web3 context. Um, and, and, and we know that because, you know, Fluffy Pony is one of the founders of Tari. Um, you know, he brings the, the, that history and that weight and that philosophy through. Um, we all like-minded in that respect. And then furthermore, Tari is merged mind with Monero. So, you know, what that means is Tari inherits a lot of the security budget of Monero. So on day one, you know, it's, we don't have to build, gradually build up hash rate. We just inherited from Monero. And on the other side of the coin, as it were, uh, Monero miners get free Tari. So, you know, there may be a concern that the Taylor mission is only 0.6 Monero. You know, is that enough? He has a little bit of a sweetener. You know, you get some free Tari for supporting the, 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 the Tari chain as well as Monero. Um, and so at, at no the, cost, really. At no real cost. And so there's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, that, 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 that is awesome. Um, a lot of, a lot, a lot of questions running through my, through my mind. Um, I mean, you guys have been developing this for a while, right? You've been developing for a while. How has things, like the landscape has changed quite a bit from when you started to, to, to now, right? What's been going on outside of Tari? Um, how do you see Tari comparing to some of the other projects that have already launched and I believe are trying to do similar similar things, right? Trying to be the, the private Ethereum, essentially, yeah. for, for lack of a better description. I mean, this is highly subjective, but I think I, I just see other projects making the same mistakes over and over again. I mean, we, we've shifted direction a little bit, but like our core philosophy of splitting Tari into two layers and, and letting each layer like do what it does best so that we can have an like, overall user experience that is just like beautiful, um, that hasn't changed. Um, what has changed is a little bit about how we've, the relationships between the layer one and layer two, um, because new technology has arrived and, and, you know, we as a team have grown and learned and, you know, it, <laughs> crypto is like an onion, right? You, you, it just has infinite layers and the deeper you get, the more you learn and the more you realize you don't know and you're, you know, and, and we've gone through that journey and, um, we, we're, we're, have adapted as we've done and, and, but the ultimate mission is really still to just, Give users and developers the best experience possible um, with privacy. Now you say you say layer one is is launching first, and then layer two. But layer two is really where the magic is going to happen. Yeah. What what's going to be possible with layer one? What 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 will people initially be using Tari for? You'll be uh, getting ready for layer two. I okay. mean, it's that's basically it. What, what the reason we're likely to stagger the launch is because we want to get the liquidity out. You know, everyone who wants to launch a business or some sort of DAP on on the Tari network uh, is going to have to have some Tari in their back pocket to do that. And, you know, launching the layer one gives them time to, you know, get the Tari they need. It also gives them time to get their smart contracts right in test nets, yes. make sure they understand the development pro- pro- you know, process, the APIs and so on, iron out any bugs. And then there's also a small security. 
um, feature to it is that uh, you need to put down some money to become a, a second layer validator node. And uh, if we launch that immediately, then there's not a lot of funds available for registry. You can have a very skewed second layer where um, you, a, a lot of funds are maybe you don't know where, where where the funds are at that point. So it gives it some time for the funds to distribute into the wider network so that the, we can trust more about who they are running validated nodes. Okay, okay. Um, and what, like, I know we've talked about this in the past, but to remind me and, and the viewers, what do the tokenomics look like for, or for people that are interested in getting involved in Tari and want to be a part of it from the beginning, how do they best get their hands on Tari? Is it that they, they mine it or kind of explain, explain that to us? Yeah, so the final tokenomics are not final. Oh, it's still not final. All right. So but no but I can tell, you, no but I can tell you that the curve is essentially like the Monero curve, you know, exponential decay with the tail emission. Um, the, uh, the, you only mine on the layer one, uh, which we call Minotari. So the miners are mining the Minotari, and uh, that is 60% of blocks will be merged mined with Monero, and then 40% is a, a different proof-of-work algorithm that's Tari-specific. Oh. Do you get more bang for your Tari for your buck there in terms of mining versus the, the merge mine? The, the reason is, is that there are certain attacks that you can perform on pure merge mine coins, okay. and so this is just to uh, mitigate those kind of... Like, it's very easy to 51% attack a pure merge mine coin mm. if less than half of the the parent chain is merge mining, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. So let's say it was only merge mined and only 25% of pools are merge mining Tari. A big pool could just 51% attack us at almost no cost. Yeah. It was happening. And so, and who is, who is issued Tari? Is it, is it just, it's just going to be via the miners and yeah. then it'll spread that way? Or is there some kind of dev fund, dev good, tax? Good old, good old proof of work. Um, day one. Yeah, I mean, specifics around yeah, that will be coming out shortly. Um, you know, we need to wrap everything up for the audit. So, you know, we're going to wrap everything up and then, you know, you know announce to the community uh, what the specifics are. But it's still a little bit up in the air. All right. And is, is Fluffy still, like, active in the project? What's or what's going on with that? He's taken more of an advisory role at this stage. Um, uh, he's very busy with a lot of other stuff and personal stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, still, we've all heard, you know. <laughs> everybody <laughs> loves spreading spreading the rumors, right? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's more of an advisory role at this stage. Okay. So yeah, yeah, and he's overseeing everything. All right, guys. Yeah, exciting stuff. Maybe, uh, maybe we could do a proper Monero talk when you guys launch. When you actually have the main, yeah, we'd love main to. launch. Yeah. And um, you know, maybe maybe next year we got some exciting stuff to share. I mean, that's. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's things are moving fast. Yeah. So and so you're saying mainnet launch. Pretty much, kind of any any day now. I mean, like I said, the audit starts next week. Okay. And that'll take a couple of months. It's 250,000 lines of code in the Atari code base right now. Um, so it takes a while to get through the core bits, the important bits. Assuming the audit goes well, you know, then we, then we, we're on the launch pad. We just need to pull the trigger. We, I, you know, we, I don't know when, you know, we'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll see. Uh, I guess f- final, final question. Uh, Yat, right? So Yat's already been out there in the wild. Um, but I guess the idea was, yeah, it would kind of be one of the first apps running on Tari. Um, any any insight there to how Yat relates to Tari, or if it still does? What's going on with that? I think I still think that Yat is a great product when you're sending funds around and you need to relay 
you know, your address. Uh, one of our targets is to get YAF running. It'll be running on the second layer. It won't run on the base layer. So it will be, I'm not, I can't confirm whether it will launch with the second layer immediately, but it still will be a reference design that can do, along with a lot of other reference designs. Uh, we hope to have some examples of DeFi stuff that we do, some ERC20 kind of contracts, um, some game assets and NFTs. Those are all things we're hoping to, to implement, but Yat will be like a fully fledged business that people can see as a example reference. Yeah. Right, right. Because right, right now it's it's not obviously not decentralized yet or no, anything, but the no. idea is I guess a port over type thing, right? Exactly, hundred percent. Um, and I guess another final question: <laughs> what, what's your what's your current take on the narrow guys? So oh, you, you guys are obviously fanboys. Fan, 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 okay. Fanboys. And, and, yeah. and how do you feel about the project in general, the ecosystem, adoption? Like, what what, what are you currently? What's, what's I mean, your, what's your feel? What's yeah, your, I mean, personally, I think Monero is probably the most underrated sure. currency on the planet, right? It's it, partly because people don't know that they need privacy until it's too late. You know, <laughs> it's, the, the horse is bolted and it's like, shit, I need some privacy. And it's like, well, you know, you could have, you, you had, Monero was there all along. <laughs> it's, um, you know, huge fanboys. In fact, and this conference is my favorite conference yeah, that was, um, that was on be the my circuit. Final, final it is, <laughs> you know, last year in Lisbon was fantastic. Uh, you know, I live out that way now. Um, the, the people, the, the level of talks, the, the intelligence around here, um, here in Prague, it's been spectacular. Um, organization's been brilliant. Um, couldn't be happier. It is my favorite conference out of all of them. Well, you um, haven't been to Monerotopia yet. No. <laughs> I haven't, yeah, yeah. I was, and I was about to say, like, you know, and there was only that one, uh, the, the, the MCC Crypto Friends Conference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Magical Crypto. <laughs> that was, yeah. a, that was pretty good. But, uh, this, this, this one is my favorite. I never missed this one. Yeah, There's so many coming. smart people in the room. It's just the, the, the level of the talks is just like, it, it, I mean, I, I'm also, I'd put myself in the group of recreational cryptographer and it's just hitting the sweet spot. There's just so many smart people from the cryptography point of view, from the economics point of view. I think a lot of the people get caught up in the, the Bitcoin maxi, um, idea and they, they, it's right. just so refreshing. They miss a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The, you're just, you're just missing a lot. And there was, yeah. there was a great talk on the, on the fees and the dynamic blocks yesterday. It's a great talk on the membership proofs. There's just so many, almost every single talk has been just fascinating. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so for much. Us. Thank you for jumping in. We'll chat to you uh, in another four yeah. years. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably talk to you in about two minutes. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, there are guys. dogs barking. Yeah, There's yeah, just yeah, chaos yeah. behind us, guys. Free for all. <laughs> um, all right, I guess. Uh, yeah, I Tux, guess. Tux, you still there? I think Tux, I'm yeah, still Tux. here. Yep, I'm chilling. He's still here. He's, got, he, he's been having a ball listening. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, what was Demi saying? Don't you think Demi, it might be wise to do a narrow talk before they're ready to launch? What if they there are devs who want to integrate this to their project? Yeah, maybe. Um, so I think uh, I think we'll move on back to two hours and a half. You think engaging in the conference without microphones, uh, Tux? That was pretty awesome, right? That was that was great. That was that was actually a really good idea. I didn't think it was going to work as well as uh, you had mentioned. But no, that was, that was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, and it was it was good the whole time. Audio was. It's fine. usually worse. I know. I was like trying to yeah. make sure because it was so much noise. Because 
there were pockets of that came out. So it's like at one point, like we're loud. Are there are there any talks left going on? Tonight? No, it ended already. It ended. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But is just... there is there an event tonight? Going no. To yesterday was uh, the. All right. So today just it was like, four thirty. People get the chill. All yeah. Right. Tar- yeah. Tari ended actually, and then he came. Oh. Okay. So for those that are watching, um... yeah. Now tonight. No, tomorrow the conference starts at 10. With okay. Alfredo. Okay. And yeah, we'll and do a bunch arrived. more Monero Talk interviews. Amiataki, Dave Berman. Here's a little Franya. Co. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I said we wrap it up. All right, really? guys. Really? Do you want to wrap it up? I don't know. It looks like maybe you can keep talking <laughs> some more. <laughs> we're we're, uh, we're going to wrap it up live from Prague, MoneroCon. It's been amazing. It's been awesome. It's uh, been amazing. I mean, it's only Saturday, so. Yeah, we we'll... got it. A bunch of content uh, that I guess we'll release as Monero Talks, hoping yeah. to get a lot more. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Tux, anything you want to close out with? No, that's awesome. Uh, the conference just ends tomorrow, doesn't it? Just one more day? Yeah, tomorrow evening, yep. yep. So yep. we're we're going strong here for another day. Yes. <laughs> uh, did we end up rele- did we release the Monero Noto? Yeah, we did. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah so yeah. anybody Sorry. watching this, please, please check that out. Uh, we're going to set everything on Friday. The Monero that's Noto true. Monero Talk where we go into detail about the project. We had Arctic Mine on, who uh, participated in the project and kind of designing the overall architecture. We uh, also did it with in, an interview with him here. We really yeah, 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 yeah. How awesome is that, having there. Arctic Mine involved in a project? That's super awesome. I know, I know. Uh, so that, that was actually a really great combo. I recommend people check that out, anybody that's in Noto. Be getting a lot of great feedback on it here, talking to people. And Tux, yeah, I guess I guess I won't announce it now, but uh, I have been th- talking about the the idea that we're working on, to talking to people about that as well, and getting a lot of great feedback. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Talk to you about that before we start talking about it more publicly. Ooh, the suspense guy. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a little <laughs> drop, little hints. Um, all right, let's all wrap right. it up. I guess let's wrap it up. Thanks, Tux, for the show. All right, yeah, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> all right, awesome. Later, right. guys. Ciao from Prague. My peace out. Keep- See you next week. Adios. Thank you for joining us on this week's Neurotopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey, or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Neurotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.